Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, K-I-6-N-A-Z. And I'm Leia, K-N-6-N-W-Z. And we like to talk about ham radio, among many other things. So come along with us, won't you? <laughs> I like when I leave that pregnant pause, it always makes you laugh. <laughs> no, it's just when you I always, sounded like Mr. Rogers. I know, that's and, the joke. And it reminded me of... Hello, neighbor. It reminded me of how we met, because oh, I always tell the story true. of you looking like Mr. Rogers in a sweater at a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was raining. Thank you. It was the only thing I had in my uh, in my car. I'm I'm saying it made you look very safe. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's how you get the ladies, fellas. Aside from moon bounce. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks again for clicking on the Hammer New Crash Course. We do. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the, the normalcy a bit a little bit here. Uh, how you doing, Leah? I skipped that bit. Yes, I fell asleep early last night. <laughs> Apologies all around. And you were so kind as to not wake me. I edited videos, which was fine for me, because I'm like super behind on editing. So I'm always behind on editing now. We have a rule in our house that we had to teach the kids, though. And it's, do not wake somebody who is sleeping. <laughs> But they do that to me all the time in the morning. Sure. They're horrible at that. And I... Like dropkick the door open. Ben used to be really good at waking up way before school started. Yeah. So I never really had to wake him up. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a few nights where you had watched movies with him late at night. I think you were on a Avengers binge or something. Yeah. And we started watching the Snyder's Cut. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not really good for kids. But. That's not Avengers, though. That's DC, right? I said, yeah, and. Oh, yeah, and. Yes, and. I, yes, and to you. Okay. I just wanted to be clear in yes, case. It's crossing over universes. Yes. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. And he started uh, waking up later and later. Mm-hmm. And one day I was waking up and he was like, I thought you weren't supposed to wake up people who were sleeping. <laughs> said well unless that person has to go to virtual school there is no excuse for you to be late you literally get out of your bed mm-hmm. and your classroom is right there like next to the bed yeah you have to do very little yes i mean obviously he gets up he washes his face brushes his teeth has some breakfast mm-hmm. and things like ideally that. yes that is yeah the... but i mean if push comes to shove you can start right now yes He's at that age where he's starting to use rules to counterdict things that you say. Yes. Very frustrating. Mm-hmm. He is definitely a rule follower with a memory of an elephant mm-hmm. when it comes to rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, other things he can forget. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No. So he knows the rules well enough that he can kind of bend them. Well, yes. bend's the wrong word, but he knows exactly what the boundaries are. Well, he knows how to manipulate people with them, let's be honest. Yeah. Sounds about right. We played Catan Jr. Which is a good game. Yeah. Really good game. We started out playing Sleeping Queens because the kids wanted to... Fantastic game as well. Yeah. And that's a card game. I think it's easier for younger kids to kind of... You you have them hold the... You, you, they put their cards face up and you kind of walk them through it. Right. Make, they pick it up pretty quick. But I'm extreme. So the moment I realized that it is the age that the kids could play board games, I just went out and bought... <sighs> you bought... A ton of as games. many 
age-appropriate games that looked interesting to me. We're so. looking at Catan Jr., Ticket to Ride, First Journey, we, Shady Pets. Because we have Ticket to Ride, which is a fantastic game a to play with old, adults. Though. Yeah. A little too old for kids. It's a... But they came out with a kid's version, so we'll see how mm-hmm. they adapted this screw your neighbor There's aspect a lot of... in Ticket to Ride. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Shady Pets, the card game, and Sushi Go. So we played Catan Jr., which if anybody's played Catan, if you haven't, you should play Catan. Yeah, it helps. That is a another screw your neighbor game. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but not not so bad. I feel like the the kids really took hard to it because they're not really playing a lot of games, so the the they're blows not are familiar. Bigger. Yeah, they haven't had enough experience with games to know that like it's fine. You don't have to freak out about every little thing just because you did something wrong or lost. It's like oh my gosh, it's it was a whole night of dealing with that. But here we are, and thanks again for clicking on the Ham Radio Crash Course. We like to kick things off with the Ham radio minute it's never a minute and today is actually a topic that came up i stayed up you know i, I go on the discord again hammer crash course discord and there will be some topics that just have a lot of activity like there is a hot discussion is this about the car install this is about the car install that conversation went on for so long i stayed up way too late talking about that i was actually really upset with you i was yeah, you were. Why are you yeah. not coming to bed? What I'm are like, you I'm trying doing? to help somebody get an antenna <laughs> in their car. This is important stuff I'm doing. <laughs> and the person we were trying to help, I, I and I, I don't, I don't want to like throw any shade at him or anything, but I think he was kind of out of his depth, and there was a way he wanted to do things that seemed comfortable to him, and he just didn't want to hear best practices. So I'm going to give those best practices right now. Best practices for a mobile install. And I'm going to go from absolute best situation and then like acceptable. Okay. Okay. Literally. And and a lot of you aren't going to like the, the, the best solution. The best is pop a hole. And the optimal solution for mobile antennas and mobile installations in general is pop a hole in the roof and put in what they call an NMO mount. That is like... What do you mean a hole in the roof? You, you go b- buy a hole cutting bit that's specifically designed to pop a hole in the roof of a car. Oh my God. It sets it up right at the middle of the roof. The wires, you hide them underneath the, you know, the, the headliner. Coax goes down the A pillar into your radio. Super slick install. Super easy. Very little you actually have to do. Other well, you can't do that on a lease. You'd have to own the car. Sure. But I'm saying optimal. Optimal situation right? This is the best place to put the antenna. When it comes to powering the radio, you got to go through that firewall, direct to battery connection. And the negative terminal can either go, the negative line for the bat, uh, for the radio can either go directly to the battery, or generally there's probably a ground connection. The reason you go through the firewall is... What? Do you call it the firewall? Yeah, it's the wall that separates the engine compartment from where the people sit. It's always called the firewall. Huh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Uh-uh. Yeah. There's always a hole there that the manufacturer puts to run electronics through or whatever, and it's usually a two-way pass-through grommet, and you can use like a coat hanger with the power line connected to it and just push it through. 
And then you route it, you know, with zip ties along with other stuff until you get to the battery. I have to say, yeah. there's not a lot of people who are going to be willing to pop a hole in the roof of their car. Hold <coughs> we'll come back to that. Okay. I, I can sense you're stuck on this point. Yes. You, you snake the power line through. You get to the positive line, the red, red wire positive. Connect it however you want to. You can even go straight to battery, like right on the clamp. That's not that big a deal. The negative side, though... It goes to the negative on the battery, or you can connect it to what's called a ground point. There's usually a ground point for most cars that connects right by the battery line, and you just go straight to that. That's what helps generally. Now, that's the optimal situation because the path to hide all the coax and the power is very easily hidden away from everything else. It's it's easy to hide. So it's, it's a bit of a pain up front to deal with popping the NMO hole, and then have to route the coax underneath the headliner, but it, it pays dividends on the back end. Now, for those that can't do that, the next step down is using what they call a lip mount. That is a little clamp-on device that either clamps to the hood or the trunk lid or even the upper side of a door. Uh, that's the lowest recommendation that I have, though, is to do it that way. With the hood or the trunk lip mount, you don't do any permanent damage to the car. The only problem, and, and that's what I'm doing actually in my car, is I have two rear lip mounts on the uh, hatchback lid on my car. Okay. The problem with that is now you've got a lot more coax so you've got to hide, right? Because you've got to go from the back of the car to the front of the car where the radio is to connect the antenna to the radio. Right. So it's kind of a pain in the butt. you got to... You know, push the coax up underneath the kick plates where the door opening is, do a little bit better job of hiding it. But it's generally something that's doable. So that's, I'm not going to go into any other details other than that's the optimal situation. That's what you should aim for. I, I will be putting out a mobile video talking about my, the whole installation, including what radios I'm using, antennas, all that fun stuff. In your car or my car? My car. Okay. Because that's the one that's got the, all the radios in it. Right. <laughs> All the radios. Anyway. Well, again, uh, thanks for clicking on the show. We're kicking things off here. We are drinking. What are we yes. drinking tonight? You, you pronounce this because I can't pronounce this whole thing. It's a Cote du Rhone Laurent du Blanc. And it's a 2019. I actually picked this up. You didn't at, even say what type of beverage it is. It's a red wine. Yeah. Well, I mean, those who don't speak French aren't going to know. That's true. I apologize. <laughs> uh, so interestingly, Cote du Rhone refers to an area of France. Rhone. Anything Rhone. Yeah. Right. Rhone Valley. They had a terrible freeze this mm -hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the frost came later than they expected, and these vineyard owners were scrambling to figure out any way to preserve the grapes. Mm -hmm. They were lighting torches on um, on each uh, span of of grapevines to try to warm the grapes so that they wouldn't freeze over. We're going to light half of our grapes on fire. Right. Just to prevent the other half from freezing. And it's expected that uh, the majority of grapes are a loss. That's, they, they froze. So it's entirely possible that this year there, there there's going to be very little French wine coming out of the Rhone region, which is a crazy thought because that's like, 
one of the biggest areas for it's, wine. It's such a big deal that the France government basically <laughs> mobilized bailout. to do a bailout. We bail out auto companies in our country. Auto companies and banks <laughs> in France, they got their priorities together. They bail out vineyards. So here's the big thing about this area, though. Mm-hmm. You know, there are wines that you age and wines that you can just drink mm-hmm. readily because they're meant to be drank young. Right. Right? Okay. So the... Rhone region wines, Cote du Rhone, mm-hmm. all of those wineries make wines that are made to age. Oh. So you it's know. like a year that just got thanos Right. Worse than thanos <laughs> Yeah. It got, it got a cold snap. Nobody is having any verticals. There's no... <laughs> A vertical is, is where we you black drink. out. Yeah. We blacked out the whole year. <laughs> a vertical is where you drink from the same winery, the same varietal. Right. And you, you like have it year years, over whatever. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So there's no none of that. It happening. might I mean two thousand twenty one might be a very sought after year. Oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, depending on which uh wines people what do you think of age. It? What is this, by the way? What year? It's a 2019. It's fairly young. Yeah. But it's good. It's it's really drinkable. And the hot secret is, I, I think this was under $6 a bottle at Trader I will, Joe's. I will give it the nod for being very um, complex. There's a lot going on. It's got kind of a musty thing going on, which musty in the best possible way. Whenever I say things like cave and barnyard and musty... Everybody automatically thinks, that sounds awful. Some people will absolutely love it for that. And it's I, not in a bad you way. You know, I, I associate like barnyard with uh, sours. Right. You know, that's that's one of those characteristics that they actually try to... Like a good funky smell. Right, right. right. Borderline that that yeasty funk that you sometimes get from like cheeses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I get a little bit of that. It's also very clean. The finish is very clean. It's not. It's not one of those lingering tannin experiences. Yeah, it's, it's. It's not one of those. It's light to medium yeah. bodied. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. What, what's the other thing you were drinking before I opened the bottle? This wine? is a Rue Keller Hells. Would you would you call that Hells? It's a Hells style lager. I believe this is German, but it is from the brewery. And Which the brewery is, is actually famous for sours. This is not a sour, though. I know. This is like a kind of like a wheat beer mm-hmm. crossed with a lager. This is very Oktoberfest, but on the light side of like an Oktoberfest. Uh, I feel like, German it, beer. you know, a lot of people. Oktoberfest is wrong. German beer. German right. lager. So I feel like a lot of people um, have mentioned that they aren't really into craft beer. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you are a macro beer drinker, there's nothing wrong with that. I know people clown on. Sure. Um, who is it that drinks Miller Lite or something like Let's that? Smoking it. Okay. Well, they clown on him all the time. I, there are some people that clown on him all the time. Yes. Uh, but I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I know plenty of people who like Coors Light, Bud Light, all of those things. Sure. Drink what you like. Yeah, sure. But if you're looking at getting into craft beer, I think that this is a really good introduction because it takes what the typical macro lager is and it introduces you to what it could be. It's like a plussed up. It it is really, it actually is like a very good plussed up Budweiser. 
Yes. I do, I do mm-hmm. get that. Yeah. And Budweiser is a German, that's sure. a German yeah. beer, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's American, but um, where did that come from? Anheuser-Busch, all that is German in lineage and immigration. It, it's So if it's you like the good. macro lagers yeah. and you want a celebration lager. <laughs> and it's, it's 5.2, so it's the same amount of alcohol. It just tastes so much better. So much better than like a Budweiser. Yeah. Well, I think that also depends on taste. But sure. if you're looking at getting into craft and you're not a fan of the IPA, Or you don't want to do the big stouts or anything like that. Yeah, this is a good, good sessionable. It's a, it's a half step uh, yeah. into the world of, <laughs> of craft beer. Well, hey, join us. Join the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. The link will be in the description or however you pod, um, wherever you do it and or emailing us at leah at hamtactical.com. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams, and future hams will appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With that said, I've got two reviews this week that's on iTunes. Again, Yay! we love the iTunes reviews because I can just pull them up and read them in one big list instead of going episode by episode. But, but really. Wherever you pod, we appreciate it. So favorite new podcast by... SN Dean 1. I found the HRCC YouTube channel after being interested in SDR for a while. Leah, what is SDR? Software Defined Radio. Ooh, very good. We're going to be talking about that later. <laughs> wish I discovered them. Put me I, on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Wish, uh, wish I discovered them. So that's, that's you now. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, a year ago when I was running short on podcasts while stuck working from home. You'll never be short again. <laughs> you'll never you can really you can really let it ride uh, they have a strange ability to make hours pass without noticing Aww. that's very nice that is a very good compliment this this is titled snip snip by may uh ray matt fit just when i thought just when i thought the podcast couldn't have a more diverse list of topics of discussions touch lamps cat cups skyline chili <laughs> and now home vasectomies <laughs> sounds like an awful way to get it done but to each his own <laughs> so thank you very much for, for that uh that comment we do love those so thank you so much for for dropping those in thank you so leah what's our affiliate link or mention on the show what have we been doing using in this past week since actually we- you know what i'm i'm gonna just pop in the links for the games that we bought i know a lot of hrcc uh the community our parents. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll drop the links for the board games and then also the Hammer and Crash Course Amazon page, which it's all coming linked from that. Yes. And that's our Amazon store. We're affiliates on Amazon, which means if you do buy something, we get a little piece of the action. It doesn't cost you any bit more, but it, it goes back into the Hammer and Crash Course. So thank you for checking that out. Also, for those that didn't catch it, last week we did a live stream on Arden Mesh Networking. Yes. And all the hardware that I use is on the Hammer Radio Crash Course A-Store. So check that out. Fantastic. Okay. Leah, do you have some preparedness topics of discussion for today? I've got I a, do. I've got an update. Oh, okay. So remember when we were talking about pepper guns? Yes. And it came up that there was we got multiple mentions to go check, it, check out a couple of brands. Two things, two comments. The first comment, pepper balls, like the, the the actual projectile. Yes. Illegal in California. 
Oh. Can't buy them. So the Kimber Pepper pepper Blaster, which we talked about, which was a, a recommendation, the two-shot pepper blaster. Right. Can't get it. Really? Yep, totally illegal. Can't get it. What if I filled a paintball with pepper spray you can myself? Do that. You can do that. You can actually, <laughs> but then if you used it or get caught with it, I don't know, it's probably a misdemeanor. And it is a misdemeanor. Actually, I, I do remember looking that up. I always look at how bad it would be if I get caught with something like this. <laughs> so the pepper balls are, are not legal, but I found another interesting point. I used to play paintball when I was, when I was younger, before I met Leia. And the company that sells the Pepper Blaster, and yes. uh, so Pepper Blaster, I think, is Tipman, who has been a name in paintball since way, 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 way back. Okay. They're in simunitions. They work with uh, combat simulations for military police officers using paintball guns. They're kind of like simulations of firearms. Okay. And then they've gotten into this Pepper Ball game as well. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So two out of the three most popular handguns in the pepper blaster area right now are both repurposed paintball guns that makes sense the the other one the bird or the something bide something byd something that is the new gun that's out and i I was gonna surprise you for mother's day and buy you one so romantic i would feel so appreciated i was gonna get i was gonna get a couple set so we could practice on each other with them So we know, you know. Would you really shoot me with that? Absolutely. What? Yeah. The, uh, if you wanted that me is to. Not, that is not being a man. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's shout out to that TikTok. <clears throat> so I, I, I went on the website. I was trying to buy this two set of this gun. And it's like, well, California, you can buy only the hard rubber ball shooter. Same gun. <laughs> I don't want to get shot same, with a rubber ball. <laughs> same gun. They call it the kinetic round. Uh, you can only get the kinetic rounds, which are just hard plastic balls. That's the only thing legal in California. Pepper balls, not legal. So I was like, well, that's kind of defeats the purpose of it. So we, how, we didn't do that. For how, how powerful would that be? There's videos online of people getting hit by them. It'll, it it kind of breaks the skin, leaves you a pretty decent welt. Okay. It's worse than a paintball. You know what, though? I'm getting something better for Mother's Day, and I'm going to talk about it right here so Josh is completely on the hook for it by Sunday. Josh is going to install my new garden bed oh, with God. sprinklers. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when Ir- I'm going to do that. Irrigation. <laughs> I did the brakes on your car this morning. Thank you. And I, I don't have the time for installing sprinklers. Wow. Hmm. No Mother's Day gift for Leia. You had a plan. <laughs> we had a plan for Mother's Day, and it didn't. It didn't pan out. We'll figure something out, though. But what's your what's your sprinklers? What's your that's what we figured out. <laughs> what's your preparedness corner this week? Okay, this is actually I am going to read this because oh, oh, who else would? <laughs> if not you, it's about who? avoiding electrical fires in the home, which oh. I think is particularly important to both hams. And to preparedness. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to go through this and you tell me what you might have a problem with. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll link this article that I'm reading. But to avoid electrical fires at home, 
One, check electrical outlets. Check for loose-fitting plugs, which can shock or be a fire hazard. Replace missing or broken wall plates so wiring and components are not exposed. If you have young children in the home, check that unused outlets are covered. Plugs, never force them into the outlets. I don't, I don't know why you would have you to. You want this. Yeah. <laughs> you brought this on yourself, plug. Whoa. That's dark. <laughs> Yeah, don't force them into the outlets. Thank you. <laughs> don't remove the grounding pin to make a three-prong plug fit into a, a two-conductor outlet. That's a thing that hams do, actually. Really? Yeah. How yeah. do you do it safely? Uh, you, you generally do have a ground, but it's you, 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 basically you're trying to, to get all of your grounds co-located to one central ground drop. And if your ground to your home, the, the ground spike, is really far away, the, the way to do it by code is to drop multiple ground rods until you get to your shack. Then connect it to, wow. to a closer ground. So people will float the ground, as they say, by snipping the, the ground lug. And they'll physically ground with wires off of the equipment into a ground spike that's very close to the uh, to the ham shack. Wow. I don't recommend doing it, but I've definitely heard people recommend that. Okay. Avoid overloading outlets with adapters and too many appliance plugs. Don't go in the garage. <laughs> Cords. Make sure they are not frayed, cracked, placed under carpets or rugs, or placed in high traffic areas. Do not nail or staple them to walls, floors, or other objects. Eh, I mean, if you're, I mean, they sell those little plastic hoop things with the nail. Those are fine. Okay. What they're trying to say is, don't run the nail through the wire and then go <laughs> plug it in. Is what they're saying. Fair enough. Extension cords. Use them on a temporary basis only. They are not intended as permanent housing household wiring. Make sure they have safety closures to protect young children from shock and mouth burn injuries. Mouth burn. Yes. The comment I'll make on extension cords, there are many different kinds of extension cords. If you're talking about like 99 cent store extension cords, sure. The, the wire gauge is just not appreciable to be a long lasting thing. But if you're going to like Home Depot and you're buying a good extension cord with high, with a large gauge wire, you're probably okay running that for an extended period of time. Because if that was the case, there'd be I people feel, burning their houses like down constantly to... every Christmas. Everybody's using extension cords at Christmas. Well, that's that's short term use. That's temporary use for that's a what whole it's month saying. for multiple yeah, hours. It's just not supposed to be permanent household wire. Well, what 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 is permanent versus temporary? The, well, the, the cord doesn't know. You're, <laughs> you're just powering a whole room of lights and appliances off of a extension cord. I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah, but, but how, what, is, what does the time mean? And, unless it becomes damaged. Okay. I feel like this segment now needs a disclaimer. I feel attacked. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Light bulbs. Check the wattage to Use make them. sure light bulbs match the fixture requirements. Replace bulbs that have higher wattage ratings than recommended on the fixture. Make sure they're screwed in securely so they don't overheat. Okay. Is that why bulbs overheat? Because they're the not bulb. securely. All right. 
Ground fault circuit interrupters, GFCIs. Make sure GFCIs are installed in your kitchen, bathroom, laundry, workshop, basement, and garage, as well as on outdoor outlets. Test them monthly to ensure they're working Who properly. Who is testing the GFCI <laughs> plugs monthly? Circuit breakers and fuses. Fuses should be properly rated for the circuit they are protecting. If you don't know the correct rating, have an electrician identify and label the correct size to be used. Always replace a fuse with the same size you are removing. Check that circuit breakers are working properly. We don't have to worry about that. You're constantly checking the circuit breaker. Constantly. Appliances and electronics. If an appliance repeatedly blows a fuse, trips a circuit breaker, or has given you an electrical shock, immediately unplug it and have it repaired or replaced. And give it a stern talking to. <laughs> Look for cracks or damage in wiring and connectors. Use surge protectors to protect expensive electronics. Don't let your appliances use crack. <laughs> Electrical wiring. Wire defects are a major cause of residential blazes. Check periodically for loose wall receptacles, loose wires, or loose lighting fixtures. Listen for popping or sizzling sounds behind walls. Good call. Immediately shut off, then professionally replace light switches that are hot to the touch and lights that spark and flicker. This, these are so far they're spot on <laughs> bang up <laughs> bang up suggestions if you like spicy food lick the sparks you're gonna like this okay <laughs> service capacity ah. as you continue to upgrade your home with more lighting appliances and electronics your home's electrical service capacity may become overburdened mm. if Fuses blow or trip frequently, you may need to increase the capacity of your electrical service and add new branch circuits. Mm. Interesting, the electrical wiring thing, we actually just had that happen with our air conditioning unit. That was actually the thermostat. Really? Yeah. So, But didn't they replace the capacitor too? Um, no, they replaced the fan motor because it was getting hot. Oh. It, it's like 10 years old now about. How old no. is it? It's, five years? It's younger than Edison. Five years? Yeah. About five years. The fan was the fan motor was under warranty, so they swapped it out. And they were like packing up and leaving. And uh, I had the thing running and it started doing this short cycle thing that it was doing before. And I called them back and I said, No, 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 there's something else going on. We took the Nest thermostat off of the, the housing mm-hmm. and they started probing it for, you know. With their with their um, multimeter, no, it's a multimeter. Yeah, <laughs> and there was a there was a short in the ring wire. The nest, sorry, the yeah. nest wire <laughs> connector, not the wiring between the thermostat and the furnace or the air conditioning, but the actual little plastic thing, right? That the thermostat connects into. That thermostat is over ten years old. Though. Yeah, yeah. So once we swap that out problem disappeared i was like wow i've never seen just this little interior device short out like that it's usually you know a kink in the wire that goes along the path to the thermostat or whatever i was like wow that that was really crazy so we got a new got a new thermostat problem totally solved but we also refilled the freon and did all that fun stuff so we're we're ready for ready for the summer which is great 
All right. Well, that's the preparedness corner. No, that's very good. Because that's, you know, I, I would argue, even though I'm not going to go around and check GFCI outlets once a month, but there are things, you know, actually, I take that back. If you if you want to test your GFCI outlets really, really easily, get your Baofeng. Set it to 446 446 yeah let's go with that megahertz and just go right up next to that thing and just key up it should trip your gfci that's how you know it's working <laughs> should just trip that sucker just right off the bat that's how you know you're you got a good working outlet they don't like the spurious emissions in the rf from the uh, baofeng yeah so very good leah good tips thank you all right well that means it's time it's time for the correspondence tower yes and my does it loom today. <laughs> oh, boy. Again, you can reach us at Leia at hamtactical.com. We love your feedback. We love your ham radio questions. And we also love your merch ideas. And if you do suggest a merch to us that we make, we'll send you one for free. The email correspondence tower at this point is DXing all the way around the world. <laughs> you know? Okay. All yeah. right. Is this a foreshadow? No, oh, I'm okay. just I'm just saying there's a lot of emails today. <laughs> so you're sending me a good propagation. Yes. <laughs> okay. Very good. This first email is from John, our Skyline friend. I, I don't want to interrupt, but maybe we just to like again, we're trying to tighten things up. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can maybe we should limit the emails to only Winlink. <laughs> so every month we download all the emails off of RF and everybody has to send them via Winlink. Just a little bit of a little bit of a challenge to get your emails in. <laughs> this Gmail stuff is far too convenient. Uh, so, yeah. what's funny is uh, because it didn't post Friday morning, there were a couple of posts in the Facebook group oh, about uh, the yeah. podcast not being there. But one of them was, "Where's the podcast today? It's supposed to be four hours." <laughs> well, you... we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I did get DMs from like, "Dude, are you okay? Oh, are you all right?" <laughs> And then you like said if the podcast didn't go up. It didn't mean I died. It didn't mean there was an emergency. It just mean like, well, how would they know? I am tired. They're just. They're I'm just so concerned. tired. I appreciate the concern, but you obviously to, weren't that tired because I slept and you edited videos. I did. That's true. But to to jump to the worst possible scenario, it's like I don't think he thought you died. No, I, it's a joke. Yeah, he, he thought it was like an emergency or something. Like, Could have been. Could have been. I like that people hold the podcast at such a hard regard. Me or too. that consider our work ethic is so strong that the <laughs> only thing that will prevent us from up- uploading the podcast is an emergency. I was actually, um, I felt bad, but um, I was actually really flattered that, that there are so many people who uh, who were looking forward to the podcast this morning. Okay. So... Uh, apologies and appreciation bank thing because you said you needed a charge oh it was actually for the kids nightlight Uh, the battery bank oh boy yeah (laughs) uh this email is titled skyline shortage again from our friend john the skyline guy (laughs) hey nas team i thought it might be worthy of note that the same week you elevated skyline chili to the official chili of ham radio my wife came home and said that it was almost impossible to find skyline (laughs) chili cans in the stores correlation or causation i find it suspicious though i ought to contact skyline and demand five percent of their last (laughs) 
month's sales for marketing contributions. And I'll do a 40-60 split with you guys. Then you can build a correspondence metropolis or buy more radios. I'll leave this hunger games of a brawl there. May the best ideas win out. In other news, I have to... I have, thanks to my retired roommate, gotten into Warhammer 40,000, <laughs> though I've listened to the Ravenor series as well as the Eisenhorn series, but amazing reads. I loved Lord of the Rings growing up as well as Star Wars, <clears throat> excuse me, and I feel that Warhammer 40 melds those two concepts well. That being but way more depressing. Warhammer is more depressing? Oh my gosh. Why? In in the grim dark future, there is only war. Is that it hence is, the name Warhammer? It right? is dark. I, I, I don't want to take a tangent here because I could go on for a while. More dark than like regular war? Oh yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I'm just gonna move on. And that being oh, yeah. said, you should totally do a shirt with Josh as the God Emperor holding oh, his radio of choice <laughs> with the text, The Emperor Protects, above and communication rules below. 71, that skyline guy. The, the, problem, the problem with that is the Emperor of Mankind is permanently ensconced in his throne. It is the thing that's keeping him alive. Because oh, his son just Horus, like ham radio for you. Yeah, his son he's encased <laughs> in his radio, basically. His son Horus delivers him like multiple fatal wounds, and they have to like wait. His son kills him. Well, yeah, basically. But he created his sons like in a lab. It, it's so again. I don't want to start going down these roads. It but. just seems. I mean, IVF babies are created in labs. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, not cool. He made he made IVF babies, uh, but yeah, anyway. He is forever stuck, and they he's kind of a Schrodinger's Emperor kind of situation, because they don't know if he's alive or dead, but at the same time, the faint glow of the webway is still open, so people can still do inter-space um, travel is facilitated by him keeping I don't even know what you're talking about open, anymore. That he's from <laughs> being ensconced in his throne. So does that make sense? Hopefully no. people are getting it, but... I'm go not. ahead, continue. That's I'm fine. Not. Okay. This is, we don't want to go down this road. This All right. Is, enjoy, John. Y- y- enjoy. Let, you're let me in know. for a ride. Maybe not email the, the, the show because I know I'm going to get, I'm going to go down a tangent, but email me what army you're interested in or if you're playing, if you're actually playing the tabletop or if you're just reading. Otherwise, go check out the Horus Heresy. Just go listen to the Horus Heresy book one. If you find that interesting, you'll like the rest of the stuff. Okay, the next email is titled Solar Storms Historical Research. This is from Michael. Leah and Josh, first, thanks so much for the live streams and Josh for your online teachings. Two things, actually. First, in case you did not see that, here is a link to an article just published at spaceweather.com. A new historical study just published in the Journal of Space Climate and Space Weather shows that great aura storms occur every 40 to 60 years. The timeline is sobering, for while the article clearly indicates that we are due for a significant solar event, the authors do not address the consequences of such an event. So for those of us who have not built your bucket Faraday cage to safely contain communications equipment, and could you post a link to that episode of HRCC in the notes? 
Yes, I will. Thank you. Uh, is communications equipment. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there anything we can do to protect equipment upon notification of a significant solar storm? Disconnect from power sources, disconnect antennas, grab the roll of aluminum foil and begin to frantically wrap. <laughs> Kiss my sweet A goodbye. Yes. So disconnect power, disconnect antenna. We We don't know how bad... It could be. It, it could be literally like nuke all. N- nuke is the wrong word, but it could be like fry a lot of electronics. That could happen. But a lot it of It happens people, every 40 to 60 years? Eh, kinda. Kinda. Yes, no. Maybe. Why didn't we hear anything about it 40 to 60 years ago? So there was damage to like power stations and other things like that. But also back then. When? We when didn't exactly? Have 40 to 60 years ago? Before you were born, though. Yes? Yes. But remember also keep in mind that the electronics back then was not necessarily the same as it is now. Now we're using incredibly fine pathways and very small components that are going to be more sensitive to a huge power fluctuation and voltage fluctuation on the board. Are you saying that cell towers could go down? It's... Anything's possible. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that I that I have a strong feeling either way because I kind of am on both sides of it. I kind of have the feeling that if you unplug your gear, you're probably fine. But then also, if you consider one of those storms is coming, do you think AT and T is going to flip the big Frankenstein switch and say we're shutting it all down? Probably not. So when it hits, and if it damages some of their in infrastructure it could take out comms it could it's possible i i feel like things like cell phones a physical cell phone is probably not going to be damaged but the cell towers and some power stations other things like that could be damaged interesting okay secondly does there exist an index of HRCC episodes? Maybe I'm old school and the ability to scan through an index would reveal to me some episodes I didn't even know you had produced. Huh. Now I am limited to a Google search and this assumes that I know what I'm searching for. 73 and thanks for all that you do, both known by us and unknown. Michael KK4RRT. Yes, you go to the YouTube channel, Ham Radio Crash Course. You bring it up and you click on the videos tab, and that is just going to be chronological order of all the videos I've ever posted. If that's too much, if that's drinking from the, the, the fire hose, I also have many, many playlists that I have developed over the years, adding, cur- you know, cur- curating all the different videos into different playlists. So if that's what you're interested in, it goes all the way back to 2006 when I started out on YouTube. So it goes way And the back. the early Yeah, keep in mind the yeah. ham radio stuff was really took off in two thousand late two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Everything before that, you were gonna get a lot more of me that is not ham radio related. Yes. Like daily vlogging for over six hundred days. Yes. Which don't know how well that's gonna age. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Michael, for the email and for the information about the Great Aurora Storms. Yeah. That's Maybe Dr. T will talk about that next week. Oh, yeah. You should ask her. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, the next email is from Aaron, and it is titled Ham Radio Relay. Now, if you remember last yes. week, there he, was a he, very well mm-hmm. thought out mm-hmm. ham radio event. Mm-hmm. Very well thought out. He reached out to me. Oh, I, good. I good. feel like I replied. And, okay, and no well. offense if I didn't, I apologize, but I get a lot of messages, and I try to get the ball rolling on a discussion. By the way, there is a couple of people who have reached out to me that want the email because they actually want to try it. Well, it sounds like so much fun. So. Yeah. And the clarifications, oh, read the email. He's probably going to clarify some of the, the things. Or was this oh, a different I, person? Yes, it is somebody okay. enthusiastically supporting the idea of a ham radio. I relay. got some clarification. The teams would have their own keys that would be separated from other teams. So if you just ran an espionage listening station, like I was joking about, wouldn't work because your keys are separate from their keys. Interesting. I was like, ah, okay. okay. He literally did think through a lot of this. I was yes. like, all right. Okay. Hyper focus. Yeah, that was yes. very good. Aaron writes, Leia and Josh, yes, let's make this happen. <laughs> I'm in northern Utah and would love to participate. I'm envisioning bow fangs and tape measure yagis. I'm curious to see if a message from Josh or yourself could be relayed up here and how long it would take. I'll be looking for the ham radio relay discussion on Discord. Keep up the amazing work. 73, Aaron, KE6, UWJ. I feel like this would have to be county. It'd have to be like a county-wide thing first before we start like going across states. Right. Because you're talking about 100 miles max between VHF stations. That's going to be a lot of relays to get to Utah. That's true. It's going to be a lot. That's a right. lot. Figure it out on a small scale yeah, before you we take gotta, it national. We've got to stress test it. Yes. Speaking of Utah, uh, in the future, I, I don't know how I'm going to promote this, but I will be back to Fieldcraft. Fieldcraft has moved from Prescott, Arizona to Utah. Lots of preppers out in Utah. A lot of preppers out in yeah. Utah. Yeah, good. And yeah, so I'm I'm doing a lot with Can them. you go to a Mormon cannery and then let just me know how that Just fly them back? Goes? Just fly them all back or ship them? I guess I can ship them. I don't really have enough time. They have my schedule pretty packed. I'm doing podcasts, okay. I'm doing YouTube videos, and I believe I'm doing a live in-person seminar. Wow. For ham radio. So special. I think I'm going to start it off with like, so uh, who's heard of ham radio in the in the room here today? And can, Watch out, guys. These are all those nerds that, <laughs> you, know, you were worried about when you were in high school. And I'm the biggest one. So now you all have to listen to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I probably won't do that. But. Yeah, probably not. No? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for your email and enthusiasm over the ham radio relay. This sounds like it will be a very large endeavor. <laughs> and we'd have to, like, there's probably not roads, like direct path to utah between here and there you know what i mean so that could be interesting sure plus it's not the great parts of california <clears throat> getting up into utah from like straight shot all right okay this could be this could be tough what what are the roads you take to utah i, I don't know off the top of my head exactly because you fly <laughs> fly delta that's the best way to get to utah from california <clears throat> is it really from Why? los angeles yeah it's the utah airline Gotcha. Okay. The next email is titled Beyond the Hot Dog. This is from Scott. Scott writes, greetings, ASMR giggle cast. That's funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
When an an email on last week's podcast brought up the Presto hot dogger, it made me think of something that might be fodder for further experimentation. Josh may be familiar with the history of humorous technical documents published on April Fool's Day, like the three RFCs, Request for Comments, circa 1990, 1999, and 2011, outlining a protocol for for the sending of IP traffic via avian character, (laughs) grab pigeon, go in a woods. The... Well, the one email brought to my mind from Digital Equipment Corp's Western Research Lab, published on April 1st, 1989, it is titled Characterization of Organic Illumination Systems and describes experiments undertaken to examine the capability of organic materials, mostly pickles, to produce illumination when electrified. Getting a pickle to glow using RF might be more difficult than merely heating a hot dog, but it would make for a much more visually exciting result. That's one of Gordon's favorite, like, in-person things to do. He'll run just a bunch of power through a pickle and illuminate it. Really? Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. I also have another t-shirt idea. There would be an image of a touch lamp with the HRCC logo in the center and a hand with an extended forefinger reaching in from the left towards the touch lamp. From the right would come a speech bubble with the words, stop, hammer time. (laughs) Across the bottom of the image would be the words, can't touch lamp. (laughs) Oh, it is. That's, I like it. That is, I like that a lot. That's hitting a lot of notes for me. That is a (laughs) wow. Yeah, good, good. Would people buy that though? Because it's a little (laughs) cringy. It's great. That is well thought out. But that is it. I don't think it is. I think it's clever and it's ironic and it's all the things you want in a t-shirt. Okay. Right. I mean, you can yeah. draw it. I mean, that lamp is easy to draw. Like, you could draw that lamp. I don't think if I drew that lamp, it would clearly be a lamp. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a base with a pole, and then it, it may not be the circle. It'd have to be like the right. vasey looking thing yeah. at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Then it would be a lamp. Okay. <sighs> nobody's, also, nobody's going to know. When <laughs> it's not a touch lamp, Leia. When writing my previous email, it completely slipped my mind that I had a t-shirt idea for the rock bottom line. This may be too meta to actually be made into a product. I love meta. Yeah. And just for anybody who isn't aware, we came up with a terrible t-shirt line idea mm-hmm. that was about hitting rock bottom, and it made a lot of inappropriate drug-related jokes. Very inappropriate. <laughs> that probably won't see the light of day. Yes. But the <coughs> suggestions are hilarious. The, the shooting so. up the shooting up uh, with the Baofeng yes. is my favorite. Uh, wow, that's a bad one, though. Wow, that's a bad look. We do, we bad, do, have, we do try to represent we dare. ham radio. Did you do the dare one? Yeah, nobody liked that. that no, was, nobody liked that. <laughs> Too positive. Too I think. positive. <laughs> There's a there is a dare shirt, and it actually says Fang. It's yes. in the dare uh, uh, logo. F dot e dot n. Yes, <laughs> and it was Fang to keep kids off drugs. <laughs> Nobody liked it though. Nobody they really preferred the pro drugs. Because I mean, if you consider the age of like hams that are probably like listening to this. 
they grew up with all that dare crap and they're like that's why you love it again that's Uh, why you love it again i don't know no okay i don't know it doesn't matter red ribbon week all that stuff i liked it they still have red ribbon week oh boy Mm -hmm. i like it though all that does is like explain to kids that there are drugs you're talking about like elementary school kids that is actually what they found that's actually what they found yeah that another like what's all this about (laughs) i didn't know about this and now i want to know about it (laughs) did you have the did you have the the assembly where the cop would come in or multiple police officers would come in and they would have a shadow box full of drugs (laughs) and they would show you how you you know what they are when you're looking for them like and it's like i'm eight (laughs) what is this but like but you, like literally you kept I, clean i literally looked at it and i'm like well that one has a needle i don't like shots but that one looks like a small chocolate bar that must be good like what looks like a small chocolate it bar was probably like a hashish or something you know like it's a little chunk of it's a brick it's a little brick you know a little brick. oh okay fair enough yeah you know all right well continuing on with scott's suggestion <laughs> Like, McGruff comes in out of nowhere, and you're like, kids, you know what this is? Like, no, McGruff, I don't. Why did you show this to me today? (laughs) Well, they didn't want people to, or kids, to get into something because they didn't know what it was. (laughs) That's that's the other thing that was, like, strong late 80s, early 90s. It's like, hey, kids, the first hit's free. You got a lot of that. And you're like, "I I don't know that any of that actually played out. Like, I'm sure it did in some part, but like, really? Is that how I mean, that trope lives on today. That's like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because there are certain things that are so highly addictive, like Balfangs. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, seriously, there, there are certain drugs that are so highly addictive that once you try it the first time, you can never... Well, obviously, you can stop, but it becomes very difficult because it sure. messes with your brain chemistry, and yes. then you start I mean, chasing One would the, argue that all drugs mess with your brain chemistry, otherwise you wouldn't do them. Right, but in a way that the only way to return to a normal uh, like dopamine level mm-hmm. is by continuing to take well, it. Or be off of it for a very long time. Sure, sure. What's this drug okay. do? Well, nothing. Okay, well, what happens if I use it and I get off of it? It kills you. (laughs) That was actually always my fear. I think that's one of the things that kept me off drugs, that I would be the person who would use the drugs and then have a catastrophic... Actually, I wasn't afraid of dying so much as having a medical emergency that would then reveal to my parents that I had tried drugs. So for you, (laughs) the concept of death was not the problem it was that you didn't die you survived and your parents knew. yes (laughs) that's that's some strong parenting that's some strong parenting i gotta say yeah that's good exactly (laughs) the paramedics there and you're like you know what just Just let me put the pillow on my face just let me go no, I was also afraid Put more of, of the drugs in me than of, I did use. of dying in a shameful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, the living and having to face my parents worst. Right. Second worst is dying in a shameful way that would shame my parents. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a reverse haunting. You're right. dead, but then they're coming <laughs> yes. to you in the afterlife yes. to shame you. 
<laughs> that that would be my personal hell. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Scott continues. And let me back up a second. This may be too meta to actually be made into a product, but the shirt would feature a graphic depicting a customer standing in front of a cashier, possibly with some graphic elements inferring the location as a fast food restaurant. The cashier asks, how can I help you? And the customer replies, one Baofeng, please hold the cocaine. (laughs) Sincerely, Scott in New Jersey. That's that uh, that joke where it says, I'll I'll, I'll have... I'll have some coke. I'll have a coke. Okay. And and the uh, the waiter says we have Pepsi. Or no, no, it's the other way around. The person says I'll have I'll have Pepsi, and the person goes, well, we have Coke, and they go, okay, I'll, I'll take a Pepsi. I'll, I'll take a gram and a Pepsi. <laughs> so I want to thank Scott especially because he. Also, he, he made a lot of references, and he basically created a, a footnotes with all of the reference materials with links, so that like I could put them in the show. In- it says referenced materials, and then he puts this guy in a librarian all of, or something. All, no, it's amazing. That's Scott, awesome. Thank you, because then I can just pop that whole section that's into the perfect. show notes. Okay, so that's top level. That is, yes. that's how you tighten up the pod on the back end for us. If yes. you provide the links and stuff, if you do a little bit of the research, that will save us a boatload. But also, that is A plus. He is now a senior correspondent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> senior correspondent status. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. The next email is from Nick. And actually, Nick uh, had mentioned this Audible book in Discord. Okay. And he shot me an email. Uh, check out this Audible audiobook. If you're interested, this guy also has an ebook of the same name you can get. I hope you're getting close to that fancy handbag. And it's the, the book suggestion is the fast track to your general class ham radio license. And it's by Michael Burnett because Nick, like me, is studying for his general. So pro tip, I use that audiobook for my extra. Did you really? The Fast Track Extra Series is very good. Fantastic. Yep. It's very good. Highly recommended by me. I've mentioned it multiple times on the uh, on the live stream. I will pop that in the show notes for anybody who is going to Again, study along with it, me. It is for people who can learn that way. Because you're literally, you. I, I listened to it while I was driving. Great. And if you can learn that way, it'll work for you. Well, thank you, Nick. KJ7NWK for the suggestion and the link. Thank you. The next email is titled 72 Hours, and this is from Michael. Mm-hmm. Leia, I was listening to your podcast and wanted to give some feedback. Mm. While the federal government uses a standard 72 hours of food backup, this is not matched by actual experience. No. Look at this winter in Texas and last hurricane season. Support was not available at 72 hours. It was more like five days. You might want to consider expanding. 73, Michael, KK4RRT. I I don't remember exactly what you said, but you said start with a goal at 72 hours and then step it up to a week and then a month. And then your goal is to to get out past a year. Right. If I were to just throw a, a, a this huge monolithic goal at you it's gonna feel 
daunting. So for me, it's not even about the goal. Because if you're prepping for a year's mm-hmm. worth of, uh, of food, mm-hmm. that is a totally different prep set sure. than what your short-term prep set is. Right. Well, yes, because then you start dipping into the world of like bulk storage. Right. Like bulk long-term yes. stuff that you actually will put on the shelf and not touch for years. Exactly. Right? That kind of stuff. You're talking about the rotatable shelf life. Yeah, kind of exactly. And things that are quickly and easily accessible because mm-hmm. you may not have the time or the resources to do any real cooking or you have to grab some and go right or you may <clears throat> have to give some away to people yeah because your one year preps i mean those are that's assuming you're going to be able to have fire you found a source of water and you're relatively and set you have up to move yeah yeah because Who's going to want to carry around a bunch of buckets full exactly. of this bulk storage if you you have to leave, right? Yeah. When I you took s- my cert class, mm-hmm. they said 10 days is the bare minimum. 10 days. The, sure. And and that to me is a little bit more feasible. But man, I'm I will argue and I'm I've been monitoring this stuff with all the shipment delays on everything. Yeah. I feel like we're I don't I don't want to believe that anything's going to happen because I, you know, I'm, I'm not really a fatalist in that way. But oh, and I should give some background on this. Mm-hmm. In a previous preparedness corner, we talked about food preps. It was right. last week, right? And I do want to say that when you are doing your 72 hours to five days, however much, ten days, right? You do need to consider what kind of disaster you may be in, right? Yes. Because say it's a natural gas leak, which we had a series of these in Southern California. (laughs) And there are certain areas where people were told do not, no fires, no turning on your stove Mm -hmm. because of... It was fun, though, the way they spun it. They said it was free gas day. (laughs) It was fun. It was a fun, free natural gas event. You just had to collect it. That was the, you know, they, that was the challenge. They they actually made it sound like, oh, don't worry, the smell lets you know it's working. Yeah, the smell. The is, smell means it's in your home. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but everybody was commenting exists. how how bad it smells. Yeah. And it's like, don't worry, it's not that toxic. That smell, we added that. <laughs> so you know, there's yeah. gas. <laughs> That's the point of the... And it's like, do you think people were afraid of the smell? They were afraid of the gas. That means I have it. That means I'm surrounded by the gas. Anyway, so consider... And that's why I go back to, you've got to have foods where if you, you've you got this a, a gas issue, a gas leak issue, and you have no electricity that there's food that is shelf-stable that you could pop open and eat, mm-hmm. right? And and we, I'll probably do this again later, but we have the talked about car preps, what you should be carrying in your car. And that, at minimum, is 72, 72 hours. hours. Yeah. I would argue that your car prep should be 72 hours. But yes. once, because, I mean, 72 hours is three meals for a, you know, or... Six meals about, right? Yeah. For like a person. But you're talking about like a family, and then you got four meals, and so now you're multiplying that by four, you're talking about 24 meals. That adds up quick. If it's just a single person, that's not that bad, or a couple. 
But when you start focusing on like, oh no, it's 24 meals, does that mean I have eight cans of soup or am I going to buy one larger can? You have to think about your family situation, what you're preparing for, and then... And also minimize waste. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Right, because... Because in an apocalypse, that's what we're going to be worried about. Well, no, because... <laughs> Our natural disaster. Because you're also having to consider that you're rotating these things. Right. There's an expiration on them. So if you don't end up using them, are you going to open a one-pound can of peas? Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, and eat it all at once? Mm. Most likely Gather no. around, kids. Or tuna, in that case. You hate tuna. And I, I'm sure you would eat it in a pinch. I mean, I, I can occasionally do tuna but then what am i eating it with i'm not like just going right out of the can with it i'm gonna mix it with like mayonnaise and relish or something sure and they have those packs yeah but i mean like that's also not that shelf staple it kind of is but the crackers and stuff start to go bad you've got about a year on them i think yeah so i mean that's that's and then you'd have to you'd you'd cycle them but how often are you going to don't feel attacked because i know that was in your car for a while that was your food (laughs) those Tuna salads to go because you're. Ben you know loves what? those. Because in an emergency, what I really want to do is I want to stop. I want to add mayonnaise and relish to a can, <laughs> stir it, and then have a little cracker party. Ben loves those, though. I know he does, but so I'm going not, to get those for my preps because stop he will eat them from the disaster area to have a picnic to assemble something. It doesn't have to be a picnic, but you have to give the kids food that they're going to eat. They don't understand how an emergency works. They just think it's did like... You, did you catch what I said about the shoving the mayonnaise into the tuna and then the relish and having to stir it all up yeah. and have to smear it on a cracker? Like, that's Well, Ben that's won't a whole eat thing. tuna straight up either, so... <laughs> I, what, I guess where I'm going with this is maybe consider something else that doesn't require so much putting together. If I can find something that is a combination of self-stable, relatively healthy, good protein, mm-hmm. um, and the kids will eat it, that is what I am packing. Well, that doesn't exist. Tuna salad I'm packs. Kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Michael, for the input and uh, f- five days. 72 hours in the car, 5 to 10 days at but home. It's, it's like, take your time. Build up to it. Yes. When you get to 72 hours, don't stop. Right. Keep going. But yes. start to consider, are you going to keep this many cans on hand? Should you plus it up a little bit? Are you worried about leaving the home? You know, should you put some in your trailer? Do you have a motor home? The Do you reality, have a trunk? How much to go in there? You know, like stuff like that. The reality is that the majority of uh, effective preppers... Mm-hmm make their preps a part of their pantry of course the, because and that's you're it you're not going to eat what you don't like right period so anyways i understand five days minimum i appreciate that michael and we we will have that obviously we have it right now yeah but if we're we're talking about somebody who is fresh to prepping 72 hours is very realistic Again, for people getting started, yeah, you're, you're not trying to scare them off. You're trying to say, "Hey, remember, remember the goal of the Yay, last episode was I want you to take care of yourself, so mm-hmm. I don't have to." Exactly. So start them out. You know, don't scare people off. Make them 
think of this as something that is achievable, doable, and then when they get to the back end of 72 hours, they go, okay, a week's not that bad. I can do a week. Right. I mean, consider those earthquake kits that they do for kids at school, what they have you pack. It's 24 hours. Oh, those earthquake (laughs) kits. I don't want to go down a deep dive on that either. Keep going. All right. The next email is titled Podcast Feedback. And this is from Greg. Leah, the description of your family struggle is amazing. Last week when we were talking about the the food preps. uh, No, we were talking about your family living on a deserted island. Right. Fleeing the Vietnam War and communism. What a what a bearing the lead that was. Getting out of a Malaysian tropical island, landing in the Philippines, and then foregoing multiple options to go to other countries to get to America specifically. Yes. And they are also like some of the hardest working people I've known in my entire life. Yes. So don't sell that story short. That story is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I'll tell my mom. I'm making a trailer for a movie. (laughs) In a world. Go on. We just left the Vietnam (laughs) War. There's communism and it's bad. You have a Swiss Army knife. And you got really upset when decades later you found out sea urchins were edible. Oh, so this is another thing. You forgot I'm about gonna, that. I'm going to have to do another preparedness corner when we talk about foraging and <laughs> Get food, identi- food identification. Try animals you thought weren't edible. <laughs> no, but it's important to know how to identify what is poisonous and what is not poisonous. Yes. Also, yeah. you should probably not listen to us when we talk about that. You should go research them yes, you know, yourself. Yes, especially and find for your area. Find for, a professional. Yeah. Because mushrooms will straight kill you. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm in a woman's mushroom foraging in mm. California group. That is the most <laughs> California thing you've said in a long time. Of course you are. Yeah, well. I really want to forage for mushrooms. I don't know what to tell you. We should tell that sea urchin story, but keep going. I, I will talk about that when we talk about yeah. a food identification and very funny story and stuff like that. Okay, I will remember. That's it's one of my future. favorite. It's one of my favorite stories about your parents. It cracks me up every time I think about it. Future preparedness corner. Yes, and the bats. That's Rick. another one. <laughs> Greg continues, I think it would be a fantastic podcast. Just you interviewing your parents about the struggles they endured to come Uh, to the US. It would be a fantastic season of a podcast. If season one panned out, I'm sure there would be many more stories of immigrants that went through hell to reach the US. I've, I've got the recorder. We can put a mic on it. We mm-hmm, can set it on a tripod mm-hmm. right in the middle and just talk. So I have really bad news. <laughs> My parents are fiercely private. Yeah. Like, very. Yes. Very, very private. I mean, I'm fairly certain my dad isn't even on social media at all. And my mom is, and she won't even put her own picture up <laughs> for that. And you would say, well, podcasts are just perfect for that. No. They do not want fame Mm-mm. in the least. They don't. Nope. <laughs> they don't want any of that. They nope. just want. They don't want you to get any value of their story. They don't. No, want <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're fine with that. But um, the, Maybe the she only can write it out. The only people they care about really internalizing it is their children. <laughs> yeah, like 
You have it so easy, you don't even know. They have lived so many lifetimes. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very impressive. Greg continues, as others have said, you have a great voice for podcast. Thank you. You do. And while Josh does great for the HRCC, Leia can excel with the American Dream podcast. Oh, <laughs> well, that is really flattering. I'm I'm pretty sure there's already an American Dream podcast. There's like Pod Save America. There's many podcasts that are. Well, that's not an American Dream podcast. No, I, I think I, I there is this, an American I, Dream I, podcast. I'm, I'm sure there is. Of yeah. course, there is. But at the same time, I, I'm not. I'm not against that. I think you you do amazing. Oh, that's so sweet. And thank you so much, Greg, for the kind words. I am not going to produce my own podcast. That's Nope. No, she's not. Right now, how it works is Josh and I sit down. We have some drinks, we which is very nice. We try and put the nice. kids to bed before we start. Yes. <laughs> I do about four edits when they don't fall asleep. Yeah. When they come out. Uh, we're, we're in the throes of it right now. I do the show notes at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and then you yeet yourself out of here. Yes. And then I go to sleep. That's, <laughs> that would not be the case. If I had my own podcast. That's 73 Greg N3 GDS. P.S. If you make it big, I want a shout on a shout out on a shout on a shout out on a couple of your hit podcasts. Thank you, Greg. In my non-existent podcast, you are getting all the shout outs. You're promising things, man. (laughs) Thank you. The next email is titled Co-op Seeds, Gardening Supplies, Trees, Potatoes, Bulbs, Fedco Seeds. Last week, we were so excited (laughs) to think that Fedco had lived on in another state and this wonderland of our childhood Mm -hmm. that was the first Costco, right? (laughs) Because Fedco, you had to be a member. Really? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Maybe not. I, I thought it was like a co-op. Kind. I, anyway, I don't know. I don't remember that. That I mean, I was I was pretty young. So Thomas writes in, "Alas, Fedco in Maine is limited. It's Fedco seeds, and I'll I'll drop a link that oh, this Thomas isn't provides. Even the Fedco we're talking about. It is about. not. And so I had looked up Fedco <laughs> to see what other states they were in because I literally considered traveling to a state that had Fedco just what? to go to Fedco again. It was kind of like Kmart. It was better than Kmart. Why? Why was it better? Because you're wearing you're looking at this through the lens of a child yes, right now. Yes. Yes. I would hide in the racks. Oh my god, you're going to do that. That's <laughs> no. really what's going to happen. No. Fedco was only in Southern California. Oh. The whole thing. That was it. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Yes. So, uh, I am very sorry for bringing up an experience like, that most people will farm never equipment have. And seeds, and you're talking about like consumer goods, and <laughs> electronics, clothing, and tackle, and what tackle and bait? And they had tackle and bait. They did. That was the first time I ever saw salmon eggs. Oh, those are yeah. That's like that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff. Growing up. That was my favorite thing to do was bait the, the hooks, the treble hooks. That's why you can't eat salmon egg sushi now. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't touch stuff because of that. That's not. Because I right. think like, I think somebody was like, well, you should try one. Like the bait. <laughs> and I can't. I can't. I can't. 
can't. <laughs> it's not the same, you know. Oh, I, I, I believe you. I'm not <laughs> questioning that. It's just a lot. It's just a lot of lot of lot to unpack. I wonder if somebody took salmon bait and put it on sushi. Oh my god, could. it would be so salty. It would be so bad. It is salty though. Not like bait. Oh, so you did try one? I like. <laughs> I like licked it. The it truth was, comes out. It was bad. Don't don't tell kids to do stuff like that. I wasn't going to tell the kids to do that. Okay, thank you, Thomas. Now, now we know we're talking about Fedco seeds, which I would also like to come visit. <laughs> sure. The problem with going to other places to buy seeds is it's not it's not for your zone. Sure. Yeah, Maine, just like Southern California. Yes. <laughs> you know, they got like uh, crab seeds, right? Crab seeds and lobster seeds. <laughs> Maine is so much more than that. I, of course it is, Leah. Of course it is. It's. Full of the, the 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 elusive ham, the elusive ham that nobody the can make a contact highly with. sought after, the highly sought after ham, <laughs> the only one in Maine. That's what you. That was him. That's HSA. The next email is titled "Aimless Ramblings of a Wandering Fool," and this is from Kyle. It reads, "Leah and Josh, thank you for the wonderful podcast. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah." I have watched the YouTube channel for a while now and decided to try out the podcast and was pleasantly surprised at how fun it is. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I drive long two or more hour commutes for work at least once a week. Go team keeping it long. This is... (laughs) Well, you might get it on this one. Yes. I am a longtime prepper and was a Civil Air Patrol cadet beacon finder in the Western Colorados before joining the Marines in 2003. Thank you for your service. Very cool. I got my tech ticket in 2012 and my general in 2013. In 2015, I decided to fulfill another lifelong dream of mine and sold all of my shorebound possessions and bought a sailboat that I have lived aboard full time ever since. Wow. And Kyle has a, a picture on his QRZ page. Watch, of, wor- watch Waterworld one time. Oh, my God. become gosh. Kevin Costner. I actually uh, know a family that went... Full sailboat full for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of San Diego. Uh, I, I've mentioned the family on the podcast before because I want to say we, I had already heard of them through baby wearing communities, mm-hmm. but I think we actually met them when we were in San Diego at, the, at the Hyatt. The Hyatt? Yeah, you know, there's um, when we stayed at the Hyatt Mission Bay, Yeah, it has all of the boat slips. Yeah. And they were a family that were, and I identified her by the custom Tula baby carrier. Did you talk to her? Yeah. I didn't meet them. Probably not. Oh, okay. Well, you said you, we met them. Well, I mean, you were there at the time. I was, in I the was pool. adjacent. Yes. I was adjacent. I don't think you ever really got involved in the conversations where I ran into another baby-wearing mom and we just rambled on about different uh, baby carriers. Yes. That is, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have not been a very active ham in the last year. 
Kyle continues, on a tragic day out to sea, an unsuspecting wave came through an open hatch and completely engulfed my KX-3 in salt water. Oh, no. This is a tragedy. However, recently, a growing number of prepared minded friends have been bombarding me with questions about ham radio. I was so happy to announce to them about the online testing that I heard through this show. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, absolutely. I hope and again, that's, that they that's, all got online tested. Mm-hmm. And that's W8WOT.US. Fantastic. Kyle continues, a night out to sea. When sailing, I usually stuck to digital modes for weather and navigational information. Very cool. Mostly using Windlink and the fine folks at Sail Docks. I was just starting to really enjoy FT8 and JS8 call when that horrible day occurred. However, it was still so exciting to try to work pileups on SSB when every one heard that illustrious maritime mobile modifier. Mm-hmm. One night while scanning the bands, I came across an aeronautical mobile station. I wanted that contact so bad I could feel it. A sailboat underway in the Gulf Stream making HF radio contact with a plane in the sky. Oh, that's cool. He was coming in 377, and I knew the 5 watts I normally operated at wasn't going to get me heard through the headset of the pilot with the sound of the engine roaring in the background. I turned up the power to the max 12 watts, and the the KX3 would muster. Still no sign, even on phonetic, made through. Oh, bummer. I turned up, uh, I changed course listening on the radio for the pilot CQ to come in strong enough to be heard over the sound of the sails coming across and the grinding of the winches, just hoping my homebrew rope tenna would happen to aim directly at the plane. Aha, still isn't picking me up, drats. I cruised along through the dark of night, nothing but the inky black sea around oh, me that's and a awesome. faint glow of Cape Canaveral over the horizon. Oh, wow. Eventually, the, a great story. the signal faded into the noise oh. floor. I could have made that contact with a more powerful radio. Maybe, maybe. No, I am a QRP operator. Get that out of your head, I scolded myself. I became jealous of the landlubbers with their hex beam <laughs> antennas, but I knew that I what you I put was, a hex beam on your sailboat. <laughs> what are you talking about? But I knew what I was getting into when I set up a shack on a boat. Still, I became obsessed. How can I have beam steering on a fixed antenna system? My antenna concept. Through the months of researching the topic, every chance I got, I came up with this. Four antennas mounted to each corner yes. of the t- trimaran, yes. trimaran and up the top of the mast. Phase shifter on each yep. feed line controlled yes. with a Raspberry Pi oh, or this. Arduino. I love this. Creating a phased array antenna system with beam steering. I still have yet to attempt this system. Oh, such a good idea. I am concerned that the sloping of the radials would create some issues. I would love some thoughts or input on the matter. It may never get built because I don't want to spend the money and put new holes in a boat for an experiment. The problem with sailors is we think since our fuel is free, everything else should be too. Okay. Okay. I am not a phased array expert, but before you were even thinking or saying, reading the email, I was already thinking this. Please reach out to Callum, the DX commander. 
he is very familiar with phased array, vertical phased arrays. And if you tell him you want to do a phased array in a sailboat, put that in the subject title, help phased array sailboat. I, I think he might be able to give you some pointers to get started with. And that sounds like a really fun project. That Josh is so excited right now. I know I want a boat. Do, I know it. I, I, I didn't even say it before. To put a phase right. uh, the, the, so you will have to you will have to get kind of creative with your your ground plane underneath you. There's actually a really good. There's a lot of really good information on using copper sheeting on underneath. You know, in the in the, the what do they call that? The bottom. <laughs> Not the bottom. What do they call that? The <laughs> the hold of the boat uh, and running it along the, the outside, you know, the, the body, the inside of the outside of the boat, the very lowest okay, part of the boat, okay. the hull, right? Okay. Run along the hull. Copper sheeting that you use is the ground plane and you're sitting on salt water. You're so excited. I'm so right excited. Now. Do you know how much boat slips cost in Southern California? Leah, you don't need a boat slip if you never dock. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You get where I'm you get what I'm throwing down right now? I don't like what you're throwing down. <laughs> so I'm not gonna pick it up. <laughs> you don't need that that time, man, that pressure of being docked. That's how the barnacles get you. I am you reluctantly thanking Kyle K D zero V Seriously S-W. though. Reach out, reach out reach out to Callum. Uh and, and that that's because yeah, you could you could do like a three or four vertical phased array. Three is probably reasonable, but four would be where I don't know. Because they also need to be, they need to be. I don't know how big your sailboat is. Did he mention how how big it is? No. Nope. Okay, I was gonna say I could do some rough math, but the, the phased array antennas need to be separated from themselves an appreciable distance for the band of operation you want to use to be able to be effective in being able to do that. You know that that adjustment that they can do very cool idea go go forth that's awesome and and honestly even if you you can't separate them out far enough still do it still still try it still try it see what see what happens kyle if you ever decide to find yourself do you need a skipper no (laughs) no I was going to suggest, Kyle, if you find yourself at sea with a lot of time on your hands, consider writing a novel. You are a wordsmith. Yeah, very, yeah, very much so. Thank you for that email. That's a great email. The next, okay, so the next two emails, mm. they they come in succession of each other. And I think that the second one recants a little bit from the first <laughs> So this is from Ron. It says, I think you guys will enjoy this Newsweek story. Please see. And it's titled, Elderly Couple Use Morse Code to Escape Assisted Living Facility. Yeah, I I talked about this on the live stream last week. Oh, you did? I did. It's okay. Another plus for being a ham radio operator. W4ORH, Ron. I'll drop a link to the article, but I don't want to get too much into it since it looks like Ron adds on. Ron, Ron's second email says, actually, I doubt that the reporting of the senior citizen escape was accurate. Yes. I don't believe that I've ever heard of a keypad system that uses Morse code. Correct. I suspect that the gentleman was actually able to discern the difference in between the tones, the tones yep. and DTMF codes on a keypad. 
but at least there's hope for the future. <laughs> That's W4ORH, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Yep, Ron nailed it. Do you want to recap the story a little bit? Yeah, there was a elderly couple that was in an elderly living facility. And they were, it was a facility for folks that have like dementia and, and late onset mental problems. And they deciphered the tones of the keypad and then freed themselves. And they got impressive. They were they were found not far off from the facility because you know they're used to the confines of the the facility, and then they get outside and there's you know just chaos and stuff. And they they brought him back in, and I think he said, "Oh yeah, it was Morse code that taught me how to do this." But maybe he had the forethought to think, "I don't want to tell them that I deciphered it from the very specific tones." Sure. That uh, oh yeah, it was Morse code. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that kind of thing. It was, you know, good good cover, okay. I think, more than anything. All right. Thank you, Ron. Uh, oh, I the, also, the facility got fined because they got out. Did they really? Yeah, that was the part I latched onto. I'm like, they got fined? So this is interesting to me because where we're at, there is a senior living complex. It's it's more of a compound. It's called Leisure World. It's in Seal Beach. and It's more of a compound. It's what? It's its own little city. Yeah, okay. And you get around by golf cart, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you can have a single family type home or you can have a condo. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of different buildings. And I've wanted to retire there. I mean, obviously not now. Not when a I'm And Josh not is saying no. No. Because it won't let you put up any kind of like crazy HF antennas. And we're I, gonna We're going to be out in the middle of nowhere. I also... Or I will. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I might be dead early, so who wow. knows? Yeah. <laughs> With an attitude like that, maybe. <laughs> I did find a ham radio friendly senior facility. What are you? Why are you looking into this? Yes. This is also Just, very fatalist of you. Why? Why? I want to put up HF antennas. I'm going to be doing HF radio. That's what I'm going to do. I, I want something where I don't have to maintain anything. What does that mean? You know, when you own a home mm -hmm. uh, and property, you have to maintain everything, especially when you're out in certain areas. You have to make sure that <clears throat> you're uh, you're um, maintaining all the brush and things like that so it doesn't catch on fire. And you have to do all those things. But if you live in a senior compound, you can just golf cart your way over to yoga in the morning Right. I remember the stories then, that we'd hear about that of like, because they, it was like dorm living 2.0. I know. That's, that's what, what you want. Yes. You just I want, want a bunch of, you, you want to get old, get totally day drunk, and then drive a golf court and get into accidents. No, like, that's no, the no, no, no. Here's the heard. thing. Here's the thing. I feel like the world, and increasingly so, mm -hmm. like, when I was growing up, and maybe it was the values of my parents, but it was always respect your elders, honor your elders, to the point where I remember uh, when we had our engagement party, and mm -hmm. everybody was treating your mom, your your grandma and mm -hmm. your grandpa yeah. like royalty, because oh, yeah. they were the elders yeah. at the event. And Bob signed the marriage certificate. No, 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 at the engagement party. Oh, engagement party, yes. And... 
they were just floored. But that is literally how you treat older people in our community. You treat them with the utmost respect. Yeah. Because of the lives that they've lived. So you want to take this gravitas of the respect of no, elders no, no, when no, you're no old. it's not. Get day drunk no, and get into no. a golf cart and commit no, but the, minor crimes. What I'm seeing today is that people completely disrespect the elderly. Mm-hmm. The the world is no longer at at least society at large, even online, is not kind to seniors. No, yeah, you're you're totally right. And I want to be, if I choose to not stay up with the most technologically advanced thing, if I just want to pick a imagine, point in my life can you where I'm where you're like, just I'm like, I'm good. Wait, wait, wait. Good. do you think that will ever happen? Do you I think don't know. That, I don't know. Do you think that will ever happen, though? I have no idea. I, it hasn't happened yet. But do you feel like that could happen? Maybe. You feel like that's maybe a thing? at some point you in want my the life. Option is what you're saying? Yeah, and you're I like, want to be. I want to become a luddite. Yeah, I'm going to blow up some textile factories. No, no. <laughs> I'm saying I want to be around other people my age and not feel like I am at a like being judged or at a disadvantage or being looked at as an outsider because of my age. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So you want to join an inclusive community of people that again get day drunk and crash yeah, all golf those carts. things. But also, <laughs> I want all of it. All I want of those all things. Of it. I want the good, the good being the getting day drunk and driving yeah. a golf cart. <laughs> also, uh, pottery. Also, you know, pottery. I mean, Leisure World I mean, has a pottery studio. I, I could, I could argue that you can pay people to clean up the brush around your home. But I miss the social aspect. That's what ham radio is for. Really? We're going to throw pottery with ham radio? Maybe. That Balfang's going to get a lot of clay you and a lot of the wrong what places. what is going to look like in the future. <laughs> All you right. put the camera on the pottery wheel, it just spins around. It's going to be great. This next email is titled, Another Cat Cup Swag Idea. And this is from Joe. Leia and Josh, I'll never, never ever look at a red solo cup the same way (laughs) since your eventful podcast of last fall. As my wife and I were walking this afternoon, we chanced upon the following yard ornament. Such possibilities, don't you think? 73 Joe KA3GMZ. Like just a... And the lawn ornament is actually a a garden flag, and it is... Uh, cut and embroidered as a red solo cup, and it says "Proceed to party." <laughs> That's, that and is it's really kind of cool. Like a cat on it, right? Doesn't it have to have a cat and a radio. Oh, it, it does it have? Both no, those? it doesn't. Oh. It's a it's an idea to oh, riff gotcha. off of. Yes, thank you. Because they do flags. Yeah, we well we, we have flags. Uh, we have ham radio adventures flags, and I actually made those specifically because. I thought that that would be so cool on a campsite since, yeah. you know, they do lots of poda, soda, things yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps to kind of identify a group that that's the group as if the ham radio is all laid out on tables wasn't a big enough indication. No, but specifically, you know, that that flag has got their logo on it. It's really yes. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe a cat cup flag. Well, think about it. And if we make one, you'll get one, Joe. Thank yeah. you. 
The next email is titled, A Point About Purse Carry and a Quick Question, and this is from Preston. Hello, podcast team. On the April 23rd episode of the podcast, someone mentioned that purse carry is a bad idea because purses are targets for muggers. I thought I would drop a quick counterpoint. We have the good fortune in Tennessee that our right to self-defense is relatively unrestricted. And as such, my mother carries a handgun in her purse. When picking a carry purse for her, we chose one designed specifically for the task. And as such, the strap of the purse is essentially a steel cable running through it. It still took time for her to ensure the purse was on her as often as possible. But this is true for anyone starting a new carry routine. Regarding bag snatchers, if someone tried to take the purse from her, her arm would probably come off before the strap broke. Some, just something to think about. It all really comes down to using the right tool for the job. That's a really good point. It's a good point, but... I mean, that that would kind of... That's what I'm worried about, is that they're going to take her arm off. She, I mean, she's literally right. <laughs> tethered to her. She's going to get dragged. They're holding the body where the gun is. Right. And she's trying to get the gun out of it. You know, I mean, even in that situation, it's it's not right. it's not optimal. Mm-hmm. Like if again, consider if like you had some vital thing that somebody wanted, you wouldn't also want to put your self defense item in that vital thing. Yeah, I mean right? I mean it, I, I, I feel wrong? like the general uh advice that people give in California and this this is crazy. In, in California, yeah. But I'm sure that this is not the case in other parts of the country. In California, the general advice is, if somebody is trying to take your stuff, let them have it. It's more important than your life. So it's, I will... It's I will less, use, I'm sorry. It's less important than your life. Your life yeah, is more important. Than, I will use the wise words of Masad Ayub. Do you know who that is? Masad Ayub mm. is an amazing uh, firearms instructor. Oh, you've talked about him before. I, I remember when I was doing all my live streams, I would literally have a picture of Masada yes. <laughs> behind me. He would he would actually have his wallet and his personal identification and stuff, and then he would have like another bundle of, of money. And mm-hmm. if he was ever in a situation, take that bundle of money and throw it. And then right. run in the opposite direction. Like take that, show but it. But man, right? is there anything kind of give it a toss and then book it? Oh because it's a it's a distractionary piece as well, right? You you take that, you toss it, and then you can go for your firearm, or you can do whatever. Oh, that's like not a bad right? idea. Again, they're separate. Like your what they want is the money and the things of value. You don't want your self defense item to be co located with that high value item. That right? is an interesting point. But if you don't do that, say you are carrying everything in in one bag. Is there anything that would make you feel so helpless and and so victimized mm-hmm. as to just give something up? Well, I mean, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, if if you shortly thereafter ventilate the person that tried to do that, then that seems like that wouldn't be that big a deal. Right, right. I'm not talking I, I about I, I'm not talking about tossing tossing the money. I'm saying when people tell you mm-hmm. just give them Give them whatever it well, is hear me I'm up. asking You have for. two purses. Right. <laughs> Here's my fake wallet. Going back to the uh, yeah. the self-defense purse that we created a couple episodes ago, Claymore purse. Yeah. 
Okay. This is when you deploy Claymore Purse. Okay, Preston continues, with all that out of the way, a quick question for Josh. I've noticed hams generally adhere to the NATO phonetic alphabet, but often substitute Mary in place of Mike. Is there a specific reason for this, or are there just a high percentage of Chips fans in the community? There are so many deviations from the phonetic alphabet, it's not even funny. A lot of people, instead of seeing Sierra, will say sugar. I don't know why sugar is such a big thing, but it always comes out on a contest weekend. Everybody's out here talking about sugar. I don't like it, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, if I complete the contact, I don't care. Right. It's like that time I said that whiskey was actually Walmart. Walmart, yeah. 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 And uh, what's pneumonia? That's another good one. For what? pee, for pee, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, umbrella. That's a good one too. You know, anything. There, there's a there's a bad phonetic alphabet. It's like a joke ham radio thing where they take all the worst words that could be the representative the, the representative character for that okay. letter. It's very funny. I don't care if I get the contact. That's all I care about. I don't. I use NATO. I think that's the way to go because I want to make the contact. That's the only thing that I, I care about. And if the person hears me, great. Japan, too. That's another one. Well, I think the question is, Instead why Why do they substitute Mary in place of Mike? I don't know. I don't know all these people. <laughs> but survey. it's so common. It's Yeah, it's know. very common. Yeah. Mike, Mary, because why else? I don't know. Because dudes and you say a, a, a woman's name? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe man. they're all married. You know? Yeah. Okay. Now we're just... Uh, Preston ends. Preston ends. Sorry for the long email. Preston, that was not long. That's nothing, Preston. Preston, K-O-4-N-T-M. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, The next email is from Brian. And Brian is actually the very kind email correspondent who sent over those amazing beers. Oh, that's this yes, is, this is that yes. Brian. Hi- highly regarded Brian. Thank you, Brian, for amazing beer taste. It was uh, not only amazing beers, but perfectly the right beers for Leah and I. Yes, like they were. You 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 shopped well, buddy. Thank you. Brian says, Josh and Leia, I'm glad the beers I sent last week were such a big hit. I wanted to give you a quick correction on one of them. The Dragon's Milk White is actually brewed by New Holland Brewery based in Holland, Michigan. It's a new take on their very popular Dragon's Milk, which is a typical dark stout. Wow. Wow, I've never had that, Brian. I'd love to try it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not a fan of the original Dragon's Milk or dark beers in general. But on a whim, I decided to try the Dragon's Milk white when I sent them to you. I have to agree with you guys. It's absolutely wonderful. It is. It is. It yeah. is one of the best beers uh, I have had I, in I a kinda very thought, long time. I, I've seen white, stout, white stouts are kind of like gimmicky. And that was not gimmicky at all. It was very Why are well they done. gimmicky? I don't know. And all the things you like about a stout. It's like smoked IPA. You know, like weird, like I don't fault anybody for doing weird things with beer. I think it's great. I think it's a a good experimentation. It's awesome. But at the same time, I'm not going to turn that into a beer that I will always grab. 
It's like a one-off thing. I want oh, to try it. Oh, I would it. drink dragon's milk but that's white what I'm all saying. the time. I would drink that. I would make that a part of a regular rotation. That is a very, very yes. good beer. Brian continues, it might have to replace my usual go-to beer, Weihenstefaner. Oh, Weihenstefaner. Good, good correction. Well, Brian actually did the, I don't okay. even, I still don't know if I did that right. Hefe uh, Weissbeer, which is a Bavarian white slash wheat beer. I'll send you some of those along with some of the original Dragon's Milk, which I think you'd also enjoy oh, hey. in the future care package. Thank you so much, that's, Brian. That's awesome. That is and too generous. So Hefs and Whites, uh, White Ales are like my dad's favorite. That's his jam. So I'll, I'll say he was one for blue my dad. mooning for oh my a God, very for so long time. Long. You're like, Dad, you know the Germans, they've been doing hefs for a while. I'm going to put you on a, a hef from uh, Deutschland that you might like. Switching gears, I had a comment on an email you read last week from Ollie regarding a new radio sport. Quick recap for you. <laughs> yeah. Ollie was describing a contest that involved relaying predefined messages via VHF between teams of radio operators in an event that simulates an MCOM situation. At one point during the email discussion, Leia jokingly suggested that Ollie is a producer of reality TV shows. I think you guys might be onto something. Doing this as a reality TV show among groups of teams would be brilliant. It could be structured something like BattleBots, where there's a tournament that takes place across 10 or 12 episodes with the winner taking home a trophy of some kind. It would be really interesting to watch. Or even for non-hams, it would serve as a good introduction to the hobby for lots of people who otherwise might not ever encounter ham radio in the wild. You could even work the audience in by having them contribute in advance, of course, messages to be relayed. The key to the show working would be not having any of the artificial drama usually associated with reality TV and stick to the technical aspects of radio operations. It need to be it needs to be more battle bots and mythbusters and less like naked and afraid and gold rush. <laughs> That is naked radio relay though. I mean that's that's a whole that's a whole move. What? <laughs> I have a few contacts in the TV industry and I'm not sure how useful they'd be for this. Maybe in all of Josh's free time, he could leverage his contacts with Phantom Signals and Last Man Standing. Either way, I, I'm literally typing a note to myself. I by the way, this would be an insane idea to do this would take I, I i don't even know how much time this would take to do something like that but that would be i think awesome because yes <laughs> all the things you said like there would be uh those quick little vignettes where you go to the the teams like what are you running today what are you doing like what do you think you're going to have an advantage in this like oh my god i could i could do i could plot this whole thing out that's but brian such a great- i need the drama I need the asides. Then there's like that late are. night, like, and then we're going to put a pin in his coax. Let's see if he notices. <laughs> no, no, no. I want people complaining about their teammates. Oh, my god! And then voting them off the team. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Where'd you get the torches? Why do you have torches? This is ham radio. Would I'm you sorry, prefer the red roses? <laughs> we're cutting your coax. <laughs> That's literally how you sell things, though. Yes, I, I, Leah, I get, I know how to sell things. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it, though. That's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Brian continues, either way, I'd love to help you out with a project like this in any way I can. Thanks again for all you guys do. 73, Brian, N2, SNF. Do you know SNF is actually a airport code? Is it? Yes, what is it? it's Santa Ana. Is it? Yeah, I believe so. SNF. Okay. Yeah. What's the F? I don't know. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good pod. So, Brian, thank you so much for that. And Josh has excitedly typed up some notes. So he'll he'll likely be... My notes were like, reach out to the Phantom Signals and... <laughs> Speak with Brian as well. <laughs> oh, they, he's the host. Brian Brushwood. Yeah. Oh, this is not Brian Brushwood that Oh, sorry. In. Yeah. I, I, I was like, yes. Oh, my God. We got, the, we got him. We got the host. Would that be amazing? Brian, only con- the only thing, I need you to bring back the spiky hair. You need to do the spiky hair again. <laughs> he just get, has such a childlike excitement about oh, things. Well, so does Jason. They both you know, do. They do, yeah. That's why people get so scared. Like, should you be t- playing with knives and fire? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I watch them do stuff and I'm like, I think they're fine. But then Jason will go like, you know, cut a portion of his finger off. And you're like, okay, well. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> We're talking about the modern rogue guys. The modern rogue yes. guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Corner off your totem chip there, Jason. <laughs> the next email is titled The Golden Packet. Hi, Leia. Dennis here. Just kidding. I just had to return the favor. This is from Sterling. <laughs> Is that the literally last Sterling? week? Yeah, last week it was oh Dennis my pretending gosh. to be Sterling. <laughs> now it's Sterling pretending to be Dennis. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So this is also about the relay. <laughs> Ollie. Yes. You've got a runaway hit on your hands here. Oh, this is Sterling. Sterling, how long is this email? Oh. Not that long, Uh, but it has golden packet goals. Sterling, (laughs) I'm surprised he hasn't DM'd me on this. This is right up Sterling's alley. He wants, I I bet you he wants to be the, the, keep going. I don't want to spoil it. Go ahead. Sterling continues, I'm not yet done listening to the last podcast, How I Built My First Dipole. So y'all need episode numbering. Aren't our episodes numbered? Yeah, they're all numbered. I think it depends on the platform. By the way, iTunes will not, you you can't use episode numbers on iTunes. Really? They don't want you to do episode numbers. Interesting. But I had to pipe in and talk about Ollie's fantastic idea for a radio relay contest. I was in my car probably just as hyped as your <laughs> co-host, Jake. That's <laughs> Jake. Jacob? <laughs> Yosh? Yeah. Was thinking of how to make this event an ESPN The Ocho hit. <laughs> I knew it. The Ocho while y'all were discussing that, I was yelling, Golden Packet, to you two with no avail. The Golden Packet is a real a radio relay race that entails sending an APRS packet from one place to a very far away place through dozens of digi-repeaters and other stations. The event happens every year, and it's ran by the APRS inventor, Bob Bruni- Bruninga. I'm so sorry if I butchered I that. Yeah. Uh, WB4APR. Wow. He is. He's committed. <laughs> yeah. It's an effort to prove 
out the ability for APRS to relay messages far and wide and to root out problems and inconsistencies in the network, making it better and better for the next year. It also spurs spin-off events like laser communication from peak to peak. This year's happens on July 17th and is planned to go from Stone Mountain, Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine following the route of the Appalachian Trail. Ooh, cool. Uh, Sterling actually drops a link to all of the details, but here is the goals. The Golden Packet Goals. Our APRS Golden Packet event consists of APRS individuals on very high and widely separate peaks from Georgia to Maine or San Diego to Seattle or New Mexico to Montana to attempt to relay text messages from hikers using handheld radios, the 2,000 mile length of Appalachian Pacific Crest, Continental Divide, or other long national mountain trails. Of course, this is to be a no-impact, leave-no-trace communications test of a few individuals at each relay point to support possible other hikers equipped with APRS ham radios along the trail. APRS normally does not do long-haul RF due to the omnidirectional flooding of packets, which causes QRM, but for linear trails, there are no dupes to worry about, and long-haul along the trail is a great demo of emergency point-to-point communications. That's interesting. Yeah. Sterling continues, not many of us can participate since it's a packet following a specific route, but it would be trivial to expand this type of event all over the place at any time, combining the amazing ideas from Ollie with the experience of the golden packet. Also, there's a particular radio relay league in America, and it would make a lot of sense for them to help run such a radio relay event. Are you oh, listening, ho, 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 Mr. Minster? Ho, ho. I, hold on, I'm typing furiously. <laughs> David <laughs> Minster. <laughs> yes, yes, I know him too. Thank you for continuing to make a bitchin' podcast. Keep up the great work. 73, not Dennis, N-O-S-S-C. <laughs> I, I was just thinking to myself that how funny would it be? Like, so, you know, you, you have the show open, right? All the teams come together and then they have to do, like they roll a dice or they flip a coin or something like that to figure out who decides what mode the relay will be in that day. Oh, like, oh he's going to choose CW. They've got, they've got really good CW in this group. And they're like, they chose APRS. Or like, <laughs> they're doing FD8. And like, the, you know, that's the, the mode. It's like the, um, the, the, the secret ingredient ingredient for Iron Chef. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. ties in that whole, because you brought up Iron Chef when we talked about it last week. Yes. That's exactly what it would be. Mm-hmm. It would be the mo- the secret mode. And we have a, a table <laughs> and that lifts to... up with a smoke machine. And it's like, <laughs> it's FTA! You know, like that. Oh, my gosh. And then I also, take a bite out of Also, you need, like, pepper. really great team names and, and mm-hmm. uniforms, mm-hmm. you know? Kind of like the marble racing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Raspberry Racers. Jeez, <laughs> oh, you've remembered some of the team yes. names. Jeez. <laughs> Sterling closes out. P.S. Sorry to my friends and followers out there wondering where I have been working a lot. Got a promotion. Congratulations. Good for you, Sterling. Not to mention, just did a lot of spring projects as ho- at home as well as preparing for Yoda camp. 
Yes, darling, I completely understand. Your wife probably also wanted sprinklers mm. put in her garden beds. Mm. And you, you, Sterling, I believe that you would do that for oh, her. <laughs> oh, come on. We don't know if he put in sprinklers. Sterling's Thanks also, for I mean, the email, Sterling, Sterling. Is, a, is a Yoda coordinator, too. So it's not like, yes. he, you know, we're not like he's doing way more than you know, putting out videos. And yes. Stuff, and right? I will drop a link to Sterling's uh, YouTube channel as mm-hmm. well, because yeah. uh, Sterling is quite bright. He is. Yes. The next email is titled most recent podcast. And this is from hmm, uh, Rob. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Perhaps not. Oh, never mind. Perhaps not intended to be read. Okay, great. Thank you for saying you know, that right I'm going to read it actually. Because it says perhaps it's not intended to be read on the air, but that's just a perhaps. Okay. We're taking a gamble here. Yeah. Um, I would like to thank you and Josh for everything you do to support amateur radio. I can only imagine the amount of time you spend on the podcast, live stream, merch, in addition to raising Edison and Ben. Thank you both. I found the information you recently shared about your family's journey to America to be fascinating. Please share more information if you feel comfortable doing so. Thank you both again. Be well. 73-KA-7-WDW. That's like Walt Disney World. Whoa. Right? (laughs) Thank you for the email. P.S. Please have a Rubio's fish taco for me. Rob, I will do that for you. But... We've got... The major complaints about Rubio's. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, In the time of COVID, Rubio's is a train wreck to try and get Rubio's from. Oh, I know. Our Rubio's has been uh, closed much no, of the time. No, that's not the problem. It's the hot sauce. And then also, when I go to, when I call in an order uh, for delivery, they mm-hmm. always forget the hot sauce. And it's not the no. hot sauce. It's a specific Correct. chipotle you, salsa. No, it's the it, it's the fiery one. They always send the chipotle one. It's no, the, the it's, really spicy one. No, it's, that's the chipotle one. It's like the so. blackened chipotle something. All I know chipotle. is that we don't get the spicy salsa that goes, the ones we want. But you've got me. Taco Tuesday, I'm going in and okay. picking up some Rubio's. Go in, though. Yes. You can go in now. Yeah. It's a thing. I don't know if they're allowing self-serve salsa, though. And they might side-eye me for asking, like, for for 12 salsa packets. (laughs) Like, I got my hydro flask. I'm just going to avail myself of the, uh, <laughs> the options here thank you thank you so much for the kind words yeah i you know i have no problem talking about uh, my family's journey over here and i'm sure it'll be weaved in and out of the preparedness corner because oh, it has to yeah yeah that is uh the root of my preparedness mentality mm-hmm. so thank you rob the next email is titled follow-up question I forgot to ask if Josh had heard anything about the expanded privileges for tech. No um, news. I know the ARRL approved them, and they're just waiting on the FCC. Thanks again, 73, um, Aaron, KE6, UWJ. You have to keep in mind the ARRL is, they're just making suggestions. They don't have, they don't have like legislative power. So if the ARRL says, yeah, no, we support this. That's great. That's a, that's a high praise, you know, high recommendation. But the FCC doesn't have to adopt it. And, and in many cases, they have shown that they, they don't accept a lot of times what um, the ARRL tells them. So I, I don't have any new information. 
when when it happens, if I hear anything, I'll, I'll let everybody know. Don't worry. So, yeah. Great. Hope that helps, Aaron. The next email is from Adam K6ARK. Oh, Adam didn't mention he was going to email. So it's I'm titled excited. Summit Chairs and Remote Rig Control. Summit Chairs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, good, 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 good. Because last, last week, week, yep. You had a ham radio minute in which My you suggested portable gear item. Questionable portable chairs. I don't I I'm I'm not second guessing my choice. And I said, yeah. I want to know what Adam carries. And he <laughs> said he told me, but yeah. I we will now hear in an email. Yes. And we made the joke that yes. he goes out he's there and mills his own yeah, wood. Yeah, he's gonna, yeah. He's, he brought a lathe. He carried yes. a lathe out in, onto the summit to to make a, a chair. Takes him forever to make Adam, some contacts. No. He's, <laughs> How long? I mean, how long? Come on. For Adam, maybe 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Adam says, a couple of notes from the last podcast. Summit chairs. When I don't hand hew oak branches with a set of broad axes, draw knives and chisels into an Adirondack chair, I typically carry one of two different seating options. One, the Helinox ground chair. Yes. That's what I was that's what I said. Uh, light, that's what I said. Low to the ground yep. and sturdy. Yep. The low height of this chair keeps me closer to my radio, usually perched next to me on a log or rock for easy operation. And he provides a link to the Helinox, and I'll drop that in the show notes. To foam pad, oftentimes just a little foam pad is enough to keep you comfortable while operating for an hour or so. I have a few scraps of one foot squares from a old foam camping pad, and Johnny often carries a fancier Thermarest Z seat folding foam pad that folds small and weighs just two ounces and i'll drop the link for that too for the thermarest uh z seating i and have the z seat at least half of the times i carry one of those seating options to a summit inevitably i get too excited about playing radio forget i even brought them and just end up sitting in the dirt oh well i guess it's training weight see this is what i said just sit in the dirt it's <sighs> Thank you. Thank you, you, know you Adam. You know what? We, this we is very diplomatic. We, we need this is very diplomatic. Well, because of course, Adam's. So Adam is a consummate experimenter. He tries. Yes. All the gear. Right. So he probably has thoughts on all of these. I mean, he, he provided what he takes. I have that um, Thermarest seat. It's actually one of those ones that has the valve on it. Mm-hmm. that You can like blow it up, actually. Like it, it's got a good oh. bit of loft to it. I've used that against my back in my backpack. And so that's what is closest to my back of the gear. And then I pile the gear into the backpack and it gives you a little bit of cushion in the back. So that's actually a good option depending on the type of backpack you have. All right. Soda tips there. Yeah. Good. Always good ideas. The next uh, point that Adam brings up is remote radio control. The IC7300 and Other radios can be set up for remote operation through a local area network or the internet using the RCF Orb server and client software from www.remotehams.com. I set up my home station set up for remote control using the software and had a blast chasing soda on CW and SSB using my cell phone and the RCF Orb app. RC. 
RC Forb. I, I don't. What I've is never it? used oh, this before. Okay. Yeah. To control it while out and about. Seventy-three Adam K six ARK. Right on though. That's pretty good. That's uh, probably a pretty good way to lighten your load, huh? You can't. That doesn't count for soda. <laughs> What? Well, he's saying that he's... His radio's in his home. <clears throat> yeah, but he's chasing soda on CW. No, he's he, can his cell phone. he can chase. He can chase from his cell phone. He can be wherever he wants. If he's, It doesn't matter if you're a chaser, but not an activator. That, Fair that, that doesn't count. Come on. All right. Thanks, Come Adam. <laughs> Come on. The next email is titled, Throwing Things. Yeah. It's from Jake. Hey there, matriarch, queen, sovereign, Leia, and laborer beyond Josh. I like I love that whole thing mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> it goes right into your whole uh, install my sprinklers uh, discussion yes, from earlier. Yes. <laughs> Just got through the April twenty third podcast episode, and for some reason, it's taking me longer to get through these episodes. No idea why. It's quite a road to hoe. <laughs> it's true. Everyone is clearly sleeping on Wendy's chili. Plus, I don't have to travel to Ho- Ohio. Okay, Wendy's chili is great. Can actually, I, I, I think you should you should describe your Wendy's chili experience because it's not just like get the cup and then just chow down. Like, what do you normally do with Wendy's chili? Oh, I get a baked potato. Of course, I, that is the I, that is the hack. Why would you not get the chili without the baked potato? I love baked potatoes. <laughs> this is if I could just have a baked potato, yeah, at least once a week. I think that would be, uh, I could do that. I, but I, I feel just, like that's a doable goal. I, I feel like that's noble. Really, you're really, yeah. <laughs> you're really putting yourself out there with such a I goal. think there was a period of time where I had a baked potato every day. Even like just with a little bit of sour cream and butter. Mm-hmm. I think that's delicious. But Wendy's has these baked baked potatoes sour cream chives cheese yep Yep. and then they also sell chili that's topped with onions and cheese yeah and you can put them together it's amazing but i will say and i think people who haven't had skyline chili and i'm not i'm not at all claiming to be any kind of skyline chili expert okay but having had Skyline Chili from the can, it is not comparable to any kind of standard chili. It tastes right? different, much different. It is it, it is more of a sauce, I feel like. No, but it's hard. Like a, a meat sauce. It's a meat sauce. For us to say it sounds like baka is something we already have a flavor mark for. Right. We know what that tastes like. To say, you should try this because it's really good, it, 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 to me, says, just go try it and figure out if you like it. And you can eat it with a potato, but I don't know that I necessarily would. Right. But I think you could eat a straight-up bowl of chili. It's no problem. And there's a reason why so many people wrote in and said, don't eat it straight up as a bowl. Don't eat Skyline chili straight up in a bowl. It's meant to be served over things like spaghetti or fries or uh, I want to say a hot dog. They do because it is more of a meat sauce. I could I could just do cilantro, maybe some raw onions, and like eat it with bread, and I'd be fine. 
Like if I had a baguette, yeah, that I'd requires be a baguette. Yeah, Whereas yeah, well, chili, sure, you sure, eat sure. straight up. Uh I guess. I guess I. I definitely have done that. That's true. Yeah. But I generally, I'll, I'll eat it with soda crackers. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't care. Sure. I'm not picky when it comes to chili. I mean, I like really good chili, but I don't care. I'll eat it out of it. Yeah. In this episode, Josh discussed his throw weight and throw line. I just wanted to share that last week I finally got my HF OCF uh, 80 to 6 meter dipole up. I created a cheap throw line out of a Rural King Midwest Tractor Supply Company tennis ball, which was about 50 cents, and a Chuck It dog toy. Nice. A healthy amount of string shoved through the tennis ball via the help of a screwdriver. This allowed me to tie the legs of my antenna to the throw line and get it through the trees in my backyard. After getting my antenna up, I was able to make my first SSB contact on 40 meters from Indiana to Pennsylvania to the Star Wars Special Event Station, W3S. There was a Star Wars Special Event Station? Yeah, May the 4th. Wow. Lights were flickering, and I'm sure my neighbors don't understand why their microwave was going off, but I made it. (laughs) Oh my god. I it just occurred to me that the horrible things I have been experiencing may be happening to our neighbors and they don't even know why. Are you setting off other people's microwaves? Maybe. And and turning on and off touch lamps Maybe. in other homes? Maybe. What? Okay. I mean, we're we're on a completely separate circuit. Like we have a different ground system, so I'm I'm assuming that no. Well, I don't I know. Mean, I'm hoping no. Jay continues. I would not have ever gotten this far without Josh and the HRCC community. That is so nice. Next up is figuring out WSJTX JS8 call and Winlink. I've got an FL FL rig mm-hmm. set up. And working it, but running into issues with the S or the WSJTX. I'll reach out to Josh to see if he can tell what's going on. My suspicion is that I'm blasting too much RF into the computer, as any time I try to transmit my uh, 891 locks up on transmit, and I have to power it off to get it to stop doing that. Somebody did contact me specifically in 891 on 40 meters. His tuner was not working correctly, but also an off-center fed doesn't necessarily need a tuner on 40, but also I'm assuming it was RF in the shack. That was the problem. Okay. Well, hopefully, Jake, hopefully Josh actually already answered your question. I might have. Anyway, have a drink for me and back to you at Net Control 73 Jake KD9 QYL. And... He has a follow-up email that says, um, yeah, I promised I passed the license exams. <laughs> WSJTX is supposed to be stuck on transmit for at least 15 seconds. Having issues with the N3FJP's API, that's a different issue. So I have now also made my first FTA contact. Oh, okay. So maybe it was a different person. Anyhow, back to the correspondence corner. Yes, it's, it's a 15-second on-off cycle. Great. Yeah. Well, it looks like you solved it yourself, Jake. Good work, buddy. Thank you so much for writing in. 
The next email is titled Podcast Feedback, and this is from Greg. Nice show. My first antenna was a 40-meter dipole that I built following Dave Kassler's instructions. Mm. I hung it on January 1st this year, and I'm still using it. It works great, and I think it gave me a good idea of how an antenna is built. Yes. I think that all new general ham should build a dipole to help them learn. That is a good idea. And I agree. On a more serious note, listening to Leia's story of how her parents fought to get to the U.S., it's an amazing story, incredibly interesting and fascinating. Leia, as others have said, you have a great voice for doing podcasts. It would be a fantastic podcast series for you to interview your parents about their struggles to make it to the U.S. If nothing else, it immortalizes the struggle that they overcame to make it here. I can see it becoming a multi-season podcast where you would speak with other immigrants that struggled to make it to the u.s thanks (laughs) thanks for the great podcast 73 greg and three gds by the way don't read this on the podcast just kidding wow i was just saying (laughs) dude you know what's funny about that is like we could just go down to bolsa with the recorder i know and just start talking to so many like Vietnamese immigrants that have very compelling and interesting stories that are very much like your parents and what they had to go through. And I would argue that like, you could probably get some people to open up and and talk about it. I think. Sure. Stories. I I think those, those kind of stories, people are much more open with their own children than they would be. Of course. With people who are not their children. It wouldn't give you nearly the depth, I think. Right. I, I think, I mean, and that that's that's regardless of what race you are, your your culture, society. Yeah. I think most people are like that. You know? But I think it's not just the Vietnamese community. It's not just the Chinese community. I think that we had a large wave of immigration of people who wanted to come to America and be Americans. Right, right. Oh, you truly. Know, yeah. That they valued American values. They understood that where they came from because of whatever governmental systems were there or what kind of economic systems were existing would not allow them the economic freedom to earn, uh, I, for lack of a better word, uh, wealth and status. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I, I feel like there's a there's a certain ownership that I feel like when I talk to your family when it comes to business, like they are in charge, like of their business. Yes, they're wholly responsible, and they want to succeed or fail under their own decisions than the way they do business. They don't want it to be some involvement from the government. Or well, powers that's, that's exactly that how they know that from their experience that the government picks winners and losers. And the moment the government picks winners and losers and implements the kinds of controls that would stop a business from growing is the moment that people don't actually have mobility anymore. So you, you mentioned a term I like to say a lot. Winners and losers, picking winners and losers. Like, give an example of that. Okay, so with communism, Mm -hmm. businesses are given to friends of the communist officials. Right. 
Right. And those who are not friends or bribing the communist officials are subject to whatever these random officials decide they want to do with you, your family and your business. Mm -hmm. Right. That's like, that's a, uh, that's the Vietnam communist example. But like, is there an example in America that's like picking winners and losers kind of thing? Do you have an example for that? Oh, I wasn't talking about that. I think... I, I don't want to get into that okay. because there's <laughs> okay. I understand how nuanced it is, but I also understand that a lot of what people don't see when they're enacting new legislation that affects uh, people and businesses is everybody has a different agenda. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're enacting certain things that may hurt businesses, they are thinking about hurting the top level of businesses, not realizing that whatever you implement on that multi million dollar business also Im- is implemented the on the middle shops. class yeah. businesses. Yeah. Right. But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about winners and losers. Okay. Even that, like, I don't agree with a lot of what happens on that end. But at least it's across the board. It's not It's not kind that of, but a government sure. official is saying, I'm going to cite you for this or take this away from you arbitrarily. Okay. And it's not, that's not just communism. This is something that happens across very corrupt countries right in the rest of the world sure right so and that's literally i i I don't think people really understand that one of the core and i shouldn't say people don't understand i think there there are segments that don't get this Mm -hmm. that a part of the american dream has to be economic freedom the, sure. Amer- the American dream is built on the fact that you come here or you've, you've grown up here and you determine your future. Right. Even and, starting from nothing. Right. And that what you earn, you should be able to keep. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Right. Of That's, course. And that is something that doesn't exist in other countries and what drove people to the U.S., Right. So you're kind of adding the point of like, we all sit here and we complain about taxes and how much of whatever we make. Oh, I don't like taxes either. No, no, no. But but you're arguing that no, no, no. The country that these people are coming from way worse. It, It like to the point that you could end up being taken out of your home in a camp somewhere or possibly even right. dead in some cases. Right. It's not about 20% of your income that gets taxed, right? It's I'm not agreeing with that either, but I'm saying like you're talking about a a, a situation where you're not even allowed to compete, really. Right. And I, that's not even talking about war-torn countries where people are economically decimated mm-hmm. because those countries are war-torn. Right. And I'm not saying that there aren't countries outside of the U.S. that are perfectly fine to live in and you could start a business and um, or earn your way course, to a course. comfortable living. Right. It, that's not what I'm saying at all. 
I'm saying that during the period of time that my family immigrated here, America was that great was the beacon hope, of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, Sounds yeah. like you, I mean, that was the opening of a podcast right there, Leah. <laughs> That's the thing you were planning on. Thank you, Greg, for that email. The next email is titled, Love the Podcast and a Merch Idea or Two. And this is from Michael. Leia and Josh, to start off, I have to say congratulations to you, Leia, on getting your technician's license and the best of luck on your road to general. Thank you so much. Yes. The podcast is fantastic, and I enjoy listening to the banter between you and Josh as you weave a tangled web of tangents and non-ham diversions as you build the suspense towards the show topic. I must share with you an anecdote that took place recently. I was listening to the podcast while making dinner for the kids when my eight-year-old walked through the kitchen. Hey, Dad, you listening to a podcast about amateur radio again, he remarked. (laughs) Yeah, I am, I replied. He paused for a few moments before looking at me with a very suspicious gaze, responding with, so why are they talking so much about Skyline Chili then? He said in a slightly snarky tone. (laughs) I listen to all my podcasts on two and a half speed, or I'm sorry, one and a half speed. (laughs) One and a half speed. It's like Alvin and the Chipmunks. And don't you dare tighten up the podcast. The length is perfect for the way it is. It's perfect for (laughs) 1.5 speed. And you've got quite a smart eight-year-old there. We have a soon-to-be eight-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) That is um, a very snarky age, actually. So. (laughs) I feel like all the ages are snarky or rebellious or whatever age. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a snarky age. Everybody's always willing to tell you, like, Oh, yeah, that's a tough age. All the ages are tough. I don't think there's like a good age. <laughs> no, but the snark starts coming out where... I think everybody tells you that age when they're really young and they're not crawling yet and they're kind of just a little blob, that's a good age. That's a really good... Because they can't move around. They don't talk. When people told me that it would be hard in a different way, people didn't explain it would be harder in a different way. <laughs> it's like... Still hard, but different, but then also harder. <laughs> Nobody so, said harder. They yeah. just said it's hard in a different way. Oh, okay. And I think that's a very gracious thing you say to new mothers. Right. Right. Because you don't want to tell them. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh. You know all those plans you had? <laughs> just go ahead and throw them out. But totally worth it. For like six months. You just burn that thing. It's going to be fine. It's funny because Gen Z always, uh, on TikTok anyway, is always asking, why if you guys have to drink wine and coffee to get through the day and are always complaining about your kids and it's so much work and it looks like so much work, why do you do it? Like, how can it be worth it? And you. Gen Z, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> Gen Z's just spin fire, man. I don't give Gen Z a lot of credit, but whew, boy, they nailed that one. They killed it. It's very hard to explain the the joy that kids bring. Spoken like a true mom. Yeah, I do. I love my kids. 
And, and you know, there there are moms who say, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't do it. If I had to do it over again, I would 100% do it again. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be one of us. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible, Josh. <laughs> I you, just like hanging you... out with you. I made a podcast just to have this time. <laughs> you don't understand. You think it was all to like, oh, she's she made a podcast to get her license. Like, no, I just want to like talk to my wife for <laughs> like a couple the kids hours. Around. You know, but you just, love the kids so much. They're they're they're, they're all right. Didn't you love Catan with the kids though? We we spent two hours after Catan dealing with the aftermath of one of them losing. You won one of the two games and we're excited to win uh-huh. and the and and the seven-year-old didn't understand how you could be excited and then look at him you the audacity <laughs> to look him in the eyes in your excitement he thought i was rubbing the win in his face uh, yeah because during that round you said well it doesn't matter because ben is gonna win it He's already he's already and you in pulled out the win, win with the stupid crazy parrot card. Yes, and uh, which was luck. I mean, I could have gotten any other number of cards, yeah, but, right? But, but here's the thing: he I, I, is I'm convinced. I'm not ready to explain that to a seven year old, like probability and all that stuff. It's like, no, mommy rolled the dice on this one, and then the dice happened to come up in her favor. Well. There is a superstition that if you see a dead crow, oh my god, and that that it's dead good crow? luck. Oh, Jesus. Okay, and there was <laughs> when we were leaving my mom's house also, last week. Who says this? Where did this come from? Uh, he it's starts a superstition. crying. He's like, "Cause Bobby saw a dead crow," and I'm like, "What is happening right now? <laughs> I, I have no concept of what's going on. Why are we talking about dead animals? We were playing a board game." It's supposed to be good luck if you see a dead crow. And we saw a dead crow when we were leaving my mom's house. Who did? All three of us. But But Ben Ben saw it first and pointed it out to us. So now he feels like we stole his good luck. You stole his dead crow. (laughs) I told told Ben, I'm like, there's no such thing as luck. It's purely probability. This is exactly why we have to double down and play more board games. That's what so I told him. I'm like, it, you, you, it, you don't, you have very little experience with board games. So every emotion you're feeling in the wins and losses is like high emotion. But once you play like a hundred of these things, you're not going to care. In particular, he doesn't have experience playing a lot of board games that require strategy. Yes. And that, if you're playing just dumb luck, no, but if you're playing just dumb luck games, who cares if you lose? You had nothing to do with that, right? But if you play a strategic game and you lose, you kind of internalize it a little. I lost the battle. Yeah. (laughs) You're the great general of this this Catan game that we played. Or as Ben called it, Cat-Ann. <laughs> keep going keep going all right michael continues i discovered the youtube channel while looking for some clarification on a few topics while studying for my basic license test up here in the great white north josh has a way of explaining topics and breaking them down so that anyone can understand them while making the hobby very accessible to all those who happen to be across the podcast or the live streams. Thank you. 
I got my basic license with honors. That's oh, a good. thing That's what you, you want. can do? Okay. In Canada, you, you take the basic, but if you get like a, like a high score, mm-hmm. it unlocks extra privileges. It's like a perk. What? For, this is the perfect, like, Asian. This is what? your your eyes just now. Leia's eyes are all lit up. If you're like an A plus student, you get more perks. What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Leia's all about this right now. I, I, I never talked to Leia about this. So yeah, she's, she's on this. Yeah. I think you get like HF. I think it like unlocks HF. Like, if you're a super high, they're like, you're, you're an amazing student. You made your family proud. <gasps> Here you go. Like, get get more get more frequencies what yeah it's like more power or more frequencies it's pretty it's it's pretty cool okay so mike says i got my basic license with honors in november 2020 which grants me access to all ham bands that's it yep gives them yep that's it what yeah that's it i is what is the test like See, this it's, is it's more than ours. It's yeah. Sure. Is it like the tech and the general together? Is no. that basically it? No. It's easier than the I than think the it's general? easier than the I general. Know. Okay. Naturally, I wanted to All also the Canadian get fans are feverishly a, typing right an now. HF rig to go along with the FT70DR I bought to upgrade my UV5Rs. I took the advice that Josh kindly has provided when selecting a, a HF rig and totally ignored and rejected it. I Good. bought an FT818 ND QRP rig and I'm having you a fool. blast f- building antennas and messing around with digital modes. It's because QRP is for heroes. And Michael knows that. I'm not even I'm not even upset. If you're having fun, then I'm glad. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I only I recommend 100 watts to people because I don't want them to get frustrated and leave the hobby. That's it. Fair enough. If if you if you can make it work with with QRP and you will by the way, you will make it work with QRP in the next two years, three years. It's just a long road to hoe. It's a long <laughs> road to hoe. That's, That's what makes them heroes, That's you know? It. That's it. The podcast and live streams have provided me with invaluable knowledge, and I hope you both keep up the good work. As for my merch ideas, I have a couple. First, I'd love to see a Canadian QRP shirt that would have a beaver running a QRP radio, possibly running a CW straight key with his tail. Written on it would simply be QRP Canada. I do like that. That's cool. I also very much like Canada. I didn't realize the Canadians had such an affinity with the beaver. Really? But it was like other animals, like the moose. Oh, because of the... What, why did you point up while you... The Mounties? Is it the Mounties? You think they ride around on moose? <laughs> That's all the cartoons I've seen. Um, Which cartoon exactly? <laughs> Are you talking about Rocky and Bullwinkle? Where no. Where the moose <laughs> walks on two feet and no. uses his front feet as arms? And Dudley do right, who is a Mountie, never rides Bullwinkle. Is Rocky a beaver? No, Rocky's a... He's a... He's a... What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? He's a moose. Bullwinkle is a moose. Rocky is a squirrel. Flying squirrel. Oh. Sorry. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I misheard what you said. Okay. 
Well, Michael, if I make that shirt, you are getting one. The second idea I have is a stainless steel mug that says QRP worldwide on less than five watts. It should be appropriate for having either a coffee or a beer during a soda activation. So that big. That is also a good idea. So big. Yes. <laughs> Keep up the outstanding work. 73 to you both. Michael VA7EZM. Thank you so much, Michael, for that email. And if I make either of those things, you will get one. The next email is titled, Josh's Mother's Day Antenna. Just kidding. This is from Rob. Okay. okay. Hi, Leah and Josh. The podcast two weeks ago had some hilarious quotes, as always. I can't believe nobody pounced on them in last week's emails. So here it goes. Leia, you said you were a little miffed at Josh's new icon disguised as a birthday present. I recommend you start using the term muffed. <laughs> there you go. All right. Also, some merch ideas from the Southerner with lazy articulation. Draw a cat labeled CAD and underneath say HRCC proliferating the glottal T across America. What? <laughs> Get a cat? Glottal T. Okay. Okay. Maybe add some cat cups around the edges for kicks. Also, blackjack HRCC style with a guy laying on the ground surrounded by playing cards and a cool dude standing over him carrying a baofeng in one hand while putting on shades with the other saying, looks like you busted. <laughs> Yes. Oh, well, it was funnier on the show. Have a great evening. And Josh, thanks for staying up all night editing. It wouldn't kill us to wait until Saturday morning for you to post. You bring spoiler hours. alert. <laughs> you, do <laughs> you do bring hours of smiles each week to a troubled world. Thank you, Rob. KI5GFL. Thank you so much, Rob. And uh, <laughs> you, you will be listening to this on Saturday morning. <laughs> that's, that's what's going to happen. I may just post it immediately after editing it. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll Felt see what cute. time it posted is. Posted it at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> the next email is titled Mindset. And this is from Chris. Hi, Leah and Josh. Really enjoy the podcast every week. Great job. I wanted to share a little perspective on the self-defense part of your ongoing preparedness discussion. Perhaps the most important subject and most often left out topic on self-defense preparedness is survival mindset during a violent encounter. It's a lot more fun to discuss what weapon is appropriate, how to use it, how to carry it, and how many do I carry. It is not as much fun to discuss the actual experience of an up-close violent encounter. Rather than make, it, make a long email longer, I would like to pass along some suggested reading for those interested. Meditations on Violence, a comparison of martial arts, training, and real-world world violence by Sergeant Rory Miller. Sergeant Miller is very accomplished in martial arts and has a lengthy experience as a prison guard. A very interesting book that talks about how applicable or not martial arts fighting is in real world violence. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hijacked, the true story of heroes of Flight 705. In 1994, a disgruntled employee attacked the unarmed flight crew of a FedEx aircraft in flight. The man was armed with a hammer and a spear gun. 
After Jesus. sustaining severe injuries, the crew managed to subdue the attack and survive. Talk about a survival mindset. Of course, the best violent encounter is one that's avoided altogether. The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Everyone has a spidey sense. Always pay attention to it, even at the risk of being rude or politically incorrect. It could save your life. And finally, Left of Bang by Patrick Van Horn and Jason Riley. Imagine a linear timeline that ends in a bang. The bang could be any violent event. This book is a discussion of everything that is left of the bang on the timeline, how we should be as aware as we can be of our surroundings and notice clues as to what what may be coming. Getting our head and eyes up out of our phone screens can do a lot to make us less of a target. Really good points. Mm -hmm. And not to leave out ham altogether, why don't radio manufacturers make more radios with an antenna tuner integrated into the radio like the KX2 or 3? It costs more. That's true. So everybody appreciate the reason that there is a 3 to 1 tuner in the 7300 is because it can max output 100 watts. At 10 watts, if you take a tuner of an appreciable size to the 7300, then all of a sudden it's it's a way more comparable tuner that can tune things way outside uh, 3 to 1. It's purely size of the radio and purely size of the power output. Take the 705, for instance. For me, I prefer the fact that it has GPS, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi access point, basically to the point that I can completely wirelessly control it over the fact that it could have a tuner. Mm. I would much rather have all of those capabilities than okay. have a tuner because I run it with a, um, a resonant antenna. All right. Keep up the great work. Love the pod. Chris signs off. Okay, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Hope that answers your question. Thank you so much for the recommendations for books and the suggestion that we talk about the survival mindset during a violent encounter. That's, that is a good point. (laughs) The next email is titled last email. Unfortunately, it is not the last email. Oh, oh, he, uh, I I know Nathan always tries. So I feel bad. Combo breaker, combo breaker. And he commented on the Facebook post. There was many Facebook posts today. Well, what was funny is that he wasn't the last email yesterday. Oh, (laughs) there's now a a, a competition to be the last email. Very interesting. So this is from Nathan. We did three long time correspondent. Josh and Leia, just real quick. I participated in the New England QSO party last weekend, May 1st and 2nd. I had just 30 contacts since I was hunting instead of calling CQ. I had my furthest contact to date of Arizona and Washington from Vermont. Hey, wow, that's good. That is good distance. I would say that the majority of my contacts were from the Indiana QSO party happening the same weekend. I wanted to keep this short and sweet since I'm sure it's late by now. Hope this is your last email. Well, hang on to your butt. 73K1MAZ, Nathan. Nathan, unfortunately, there was one more email that came in about an hour or so after yours yesterday that would have been if we recorded yesterday the last email. Oh, Nathan. <coughs> the, the, 
This email is titled, Finally Made It. And this is from Matt. Hello, Josh and Leah. I have to say thank you one more time for all the encouragement you give through your YouTube channel and the podcast. Thank you. In November, I passed my tech. And in January, I passed my general. And almost two weeks ago, I passed my extra. Congratulations. That's very exciting, Matt. I wanted to tell everyone else that might be thinking it's too difficult or might not be worth the effort that you can do it. And it is most definitely worth it. I have yet to operate HF because of money. I am saving up for a vehicle, long story, and that comes first. Then comes an HF rig that I can take out in the middle of nowhere and have fun. But with there being so little expense associated with getting the license, it only seemed logical to study and get it out of the way. Yeah, I think so. If I did it, so can you. About two months ago, I took up the My Club Saturday morning net. I just signed up to become a VE <coughs> with Glarg and finally got my vanity call sign K7YEG. A yeg is a very old slang term for a burglar or safe cracker. I am a safe tech. Life is good. I know a lot of people mention they have mic fright. Joining a net is a great way to get started. Not only do you feel more confident about operating your radio and becoming more familiar with it, you will get people who will give you pointers in a friendly way if there is a correction you might need to make. The next thing you know, you are rag chewing on the way home from work and sitting in your car at home longer than you need to before you go in the house because you want to hear what the next guy has to say. I have definitely done that. Yes, that is a thing. You have been talking lately about self-defense weapons and laws surrounding California. California. Have you considered throwing a safe at them? <laughs> California has dangerous weapons law that is a blanket law that covers non-specific weapons. <coughs> Excuse me. Are you carrying around a pipe or a baseball bat in your car? Don't ever tell anyone it's there for self-defense. Yeah. If anyone asks if the pipe asks, the pipe is scrap that you are going to recycle and the bat is in case you want to stop by the park and take a few swings at a ball. This law makes it a felony to possess these quote unquote weapons. I don't remember the penal code section since it's been 25 plus years since I needed to know it. Please keep the podcast coming as you keep me entertained. And I do learn a lot from it and the YouTube channel 73 from Matt K seven Y E G. I have a, Go ahead, sorry. Uh, formerly KJ7SBL. I carry a lighter weight ball-peen hammer in my trunk, and I have associated tools that you would normally have. <coughs> now I'm doing it. Um, but the, the ball-peen hammer is like the fastest, uh, closest thing that I can grab at any one time. Uh, I think For construction. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a tool. It's yes. a tool. Uh, I view that as a pretty good option. I did spend a couple of years studying in Kali and Eskrima. So, I mean, like sticks are good, but you know, like, sure. Okay. W- why do you have a stick in your car? I don't know. My wife is going to make a basket out of it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, ball peen hammer seems to work. Okay. That's know. a floral stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a bat's good too, but I mean, this is, this goes to the whole stick thing. There's a there's a weight and a momentum that goes behind even a bat. It doesn't really matter how strong you are. Like you're you're gonna carry that weight 
through. And this is my cosplay mace. Yeah, it's <laughs> cosplaying. I'm going to San Diego. It's Comic Con week. I don't know if you knew that. I-, I like things that don't tip a bunch of weight either way. So, like a light, small ball peen hammer will do a ton of damage if you connect with somebody, and it doesn't have to be very heavy. Same thing with a with a just a straight stick will will really wreck somebody if you hit them. And they're still light and agile enough that that you're uh, you're not going to get. They're not going to precog your moves and then dodge and then you're you're all screwed up kind of sure. thing. Sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for the email and congratulations again. The last email. Oh, le- okay. So this is the last last email because the last we email. didn't. Yes. Because it didn't go up yesterday. So this is the this is it. It's titled Email Competition Plot Twist. It's from Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. To the sleepers. A couple of your listeners may try to be the last emailers for this podcast. (laughs) Let's see who it is. I hear you fell asleep last night. Good for you. You deserve the rest. I have always felt that although your listeners enjoy and expect a podcast to be released Friday morning, it is totally up to your discretion whether you are prepared to do a podcast. I love that mindset. I love it. I love that mindset. Things happen. You become tired. We understand. I know we all want the best for you. I was just thinking the unfortunate side is if you were to skip a week, the next podcast would have double the amount of emails. Six hour podcast. Here we come. Just a little joke there. 73 again. K1. M-A-Z. I love the concept that we're playing chicken with emails. (laughs) And there's going to be an email that connects after we finish the podcast. (laughs) And so then when we do the email segment of the next podcast, that email will say last email. (laughs) And it will be the first email. And that's like, no one wants to be in that situation. (laughs) So we literally have like a game of chicken going on, which cracks me up. Like I did not expect this to happen. But I I find it hilarious. Congratulations, email correspondent Nathan. (laughs) You are the last email. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for all the emails, as always. We love reading them, we love responding to them, we love the questions. Love them so much. And you can always hit us up at leahathamtactical.com, which is the home of the merch store. So check out the merch store. If you like anything out there, go ahead and buy a merch. And then, of course, send us your merch ideas, and if we make a merch, we will give you one for free. Make that merch that you suggested. Make the merch you suggested, yes. Don't just, yes, good. Whatever I said apparently was wrong. That means, Leah, it's time to crack open those books. It's not really a a book. (laughs) With the general license. All right. I am on question 22 of 35. Okay. So we're blowing them all out, right? Who no. <laughs> Which mode is most commonly used for voice communications on the 17-meter and 12-meter bands? A, upper side band, B, double side band, C, lower side band, D, vestigial side band. Oh, I'm gonna... that's appendix side band for those. Yes. 
I'm going to go with C, lower sideband. Oh, it's upper oh, sideband. I know. I'm so sorry. Everything everything south of 20 meters, at 20 meters and higher, all upper sideband. I think I knew that too, actually. Oh, babe. I think we had a whole conversation about this. when. And there's no reason why. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. I think. I think that's what really sticks with me. Yeah, I, I know. That's that's the thing that gets everybody in like everybody's craw. It's like you gotta have a reason. The reason is That's what everybody does. That's what everybody does. <laughs> that's the reason. And we've done it for so long. That's what makes ham radio so tricksy. Yeah, it, it is both hard science and also it's like, cause that's what we do. Okay. I always talk about this, that it's the unspoken or um unrequired rules right that the ham radio society functions off of right yeah yeah, yeah. i mean because everybody wants to everybody believes that there has to be like well lower sideband's got to propagate better on 40 meters right no it <laughs> no it doesn't do anything different it doesn't matter and also if you're doing digital modes it's basically upper sideband all the way down all all right frequencies I will try to remember that. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> what must be done? <clears throat> wow. What must be done to prevent standing waves on an antenna feed line? A, the feed line must be cut to a length equal to an even number of physical half wavelengths. B, the antenna feed line must be at DC ground potential. C, the feed line must be cut to a length equal to an odd number of electrical quarter wavelengths. D, the antenna feed point impedance must be matched to the characteristic impedance of the feed line. Good question. Ah. Very good question. Very good question. This is actually something we talked about. A... The feed line must be cut to a length equal to an even number of physical half wavelengths. The antenna feed point. What's the answer? D. The answer is D. The antenna feed point impedance must be matched to the characteristic impedance of the feed line. Okay. That totally makes sense. I psyched myself out with the the two answers that were like very similar. Go ahead and have a sip of water and I'm going to talk for a second. Yeah. So this question is actually kind of, I don't know, this is, this was done purposely, but this is a uh, comment to an old wives' tale, and wives' tale is probably the wrong term, for CB operators. CB operators will tell you that coax must be a very specific length. Otherwise, it, your antenna won't tune and your radio won't work. That's the first time I've ever heard it is from CB operators, where coax has to be a very specific length and if you do anything more like 13 feet it will not work no feed line is a compromise to connect to an antenna the further away you get from said antenna again that antenna should be matched or you're running a matching device on the on the uh, radio side Mm -hmm. but that feed line has losses associated with it you have to buy the best coax to mitigate those losses as possible. But there's no specific length other than not using a ballon on your dipole might create a situation where your antenna pattern gets 
kind of manipulated a bit by the feed line itself, the shield of the feed line, but it does not change the SWR. Okay. <clears throat> the next question reads, what reading on the plate current meter of a vacuum tube oh, RF good. power amplifier indicates correct adjustment of the plate tuning control? This is, you're, you're an old vacuum tube head. You, you're, <laughs> this is right up your alley. <clears throat> a, no change will be observed. B, a slow rhythmic oscillation. C, a pronounced dip. D, a pronounced peak. <laughs> what is happening? You know, vacuum tubes. The peak of technology. A, no change will be observed. C, a pronounced dip. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> Which of the following limitations apply to the transmitter power on every amateur band? A, power must be limited to 200 watts when using data transmissions. B, the minimum power necessary to carry out the desired communication should be used. C, effective radiated power cannot exceed 1,500 watts. D, power should be limited as necessary to avoid interference to another radio service on the frequency. To me, <coughs> this is a very easy answer. I'm not trying to precog you at all, but... D, power should be limited oh. as necessary to avoid interference. no. B, only the minimum power. They're kind of the same. No, they're not. All right. Fair enough. There's all that B. stuff at the end. It's just, right. it, it's the minimum power necessary. Oh, is it, okay. Always, always, always. That is the ham radio mantra is that you need no more and no less. Like, that's it. Okay. What does time averaging mean in reference to RF radiation exposure? A, the average time it takes for RF radiation to have any long-term effect on the body. B, the average amount of power developed by the transmitter over a specific 24-hour period. C, the total RF exposure averaged over a certain time. D, the total time of exposure. B, the total RF exposure averaged over a certain time. C. Yes, See. the total RF exposure. Wow. Yes. Okay. Finally got one. Wait, so what did you pick? You got C, it? Yeah. Okay. No, you got two. I did? Yeah, I think so. Seems, seems dubious. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. Which mixer input is varied or tuned to convert signals of different frequencies to an intermediate frequency? IF. A. Beat frequency oscillator, B, local oscillator, C, image frequency, D, RF input. Uh, I don't know, D, RF input, <laughs> B, local oscillator. Yeah, I okay. thought, that was, thought that was a joke. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, with radios like that, there's usually two oscillators. Um, and the the sampling between the two creates the 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 frequency or the oscillation that turns into the mixing product that becomes the audio that you hear. Right. Right. Okay. Not the topic 
of today's show, though. Okay. What is the topic of today's show? Leia, great job today on the, uh, I know you're sticking with it. I know Thank you're- Thank you. I I, I, appreci- <laughs> I appreciate the tenacity in going through all of it. So that's wow, high praise. Thanks. No, I mean, I mean, again, <laughs> as I mentioned last week, you know, when you started out with the technician, you you had a little bit of a stumble too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you remember the secret sauce as you started studying outside <laughs> the podcast. Just, just, I'm what? just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just what? throwing that out there. You know, I, you know, it's a thing. It, it's a thing that happens. So a couple of notes before we get into the show topic. Reminder, I will be at Huntsville. Many. Huntsville. Huns. I know. I, I always, when I used to work at Boeing, there are, there is a big Boeing plant in Huntsville. And when we would talk to the people at Huntsville, that was Huntsville. And they would, they would correct you if you said Huntsville. So never really stuck for me though. I, I, I seem to still fall into the trap of saying Huntsville, which as Californians with the, with the T, you know, we have a hard time with that. Yes. But, <laughs> so we'll be Huntsville. in Huntsville. Uh, there is so many things that's happening right now. Uh, obviously we're going to be on the show floor. We're going to have fun meeting all of you. Many, many YouTubers coming. All of your favorite YouTubers will be there. We are going to do an after, multiple after events, I think, at this point. It, it's going to be great. So make sure you follow us on social media because we're going to be talking about stuff as we get closer to the event. Obviously, in the live stream, we'll be mentioning it. I think there's going to be, there's going to be two major events that we do. I think we're doing something on Friday and Saturday night. Those are the big ones that I've heard of. And I, I This I'll, is your show topic? No. The parties that I'm not going to be able to go to. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's it's not that. I just remind people of it. And then the YouTubers Ham Fest is going to be Memorial Weekend and it starts on Friday and it goes Saturday, full day Saturday and a lot of the day Sunday. What is be- the date range? Memorial what? Weekend, Memorial what, Day weekend. What day, what day is that? The end of the month. That's the end of the month day. Okay. I'm not prepared for this answer. The last weekend of this month? I think it's the weekend before the last. I'm not positive. I think it's like three weekends from now. So, okay. So show topic today is paradigm shifts in ham radio. Wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Heady. Yeah, heady. I think it's I think it's something that I realized looking at ham radio from where we are now and looking at the radios that we have available to us where I started to realize that there is a big paradigm shift in ham radio. Now, everything I'm about to say doesn't take anything away from the people that are already enjoying the radio that they enjoy. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm not like arguing that somebody's going to come take your radio or anything like that. But there's a couple of things I've noticed that are shifts in how radio has been done to date and has become status quo. Not that it was capable, and, and I need to be really clear. Ham radio is a hobby and service where if you tell somebody, bet you can't, or I don't know if we can do this, somebody's going to go, oh, I'm going to do this. That doesn't mean to become status quo. When something attains a status where many people are doing it 
I think it starts to change the overall narrative of what mm-hmm. ham radio is. Remote ham radio. Very interesting things going on with remote ham radio. Adam mentioned remote ham radio earlier, right? Mm-hmm. We're now at the point where radios are coming from the factory that you plug in, have Ethernet jacks or Wi-Fi built in with the capability to run as their own access point or server on your network to allow private remote access for, like Adam said, on your phone or on a laptop away from your home station to be able to tunnel back in and connect to your radio. Is that a new thing? No, but it's attained a certain sense of normalcy. Case in point, ICOM, 7610 built-in web server or or access point server. 9700 built-in access point server. 705 built-in access point server. All those radios, just in ICOM, and obviously Flex Radio does this. Uh, I believe Elecraft has this to a certain point. Multiple radio manufacturers are doing this. These are all amazing capabilities that we like didn't have a decade ago. These are all things that we are doing now without like a, a computer on the side to run as a server. It's all internal to the radio right out of the box. I kicked off the Alexa. <laughs> but here's the twist on that. We're now at the point where people are setting up or, or have amazing ham shacks and they're remoting their radio to people on the internet as a as a rent time scenario where you pay someone to rent their really, really nice contest station with their really nice contest antennas. Well, they're not contesting. Why aren't you on the air making contacts from far remote locations or local United States contacts with very strong radios with uh, really impressive antennas? That's something that's really only happened in the last year of attaining prominence. Again, prominence being the key word. There are so many interesting things that are happening just in the remote radio space. And you can do it privately. You can make your radio available to friends. There are radios like Flex Radio that make it easy for you to share radios to multiple people. And there's also remote ham radio, which is its own software package that you can use to actually set up a little cottage business of you running your radio and letting people rent time on it, which is really pretty cool from my point of view. Air ham and ham. Air ham, air ham and ham <laughs> instead of Airbnb. That's right. So the prevalence of digital would be my next point of like major paradigm shifts. PSK 31 was, is not was, but is a mode that was like the key digital mode. When you, when you got out in digital radio you were like, yes, PSK31, that's what I want to get onto. And it was kind of like text to text. It was keyboard to keyboard, lots of chatting back and forth. But then, you know, Joe Taylor comes in and and other folks collaborating with him come in and they create modes that are looking much deeper into the noise than PSK31 did. And that's allowed for these super long distance contacts. I would argue 
way longer than you would ever, ever be able to do. I don't have to argue this point. This is fact. This isn't, this isn't scientific. Uh, this, this, this is real data. Like you, 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 your computer is looking like negative 24 dB down to the noise to pull out these signals and make these contacts. This came out of a time when we were at the solar minimum. That is when FT8 became very prominent. And now that we're coming back up into solar maximum, I want to see what this is. This mode is going to look like on a peak on any day. It is going to be just absolutely crazy trying to find a spot on the band to talk. It is really oh my gosh it's going to be insane it is going to be insane but that is a paradigm shift in itself because now people are looking at these digital modes that work down in the noise so that they can run qrp radios portable radios they want to go backpacking they want to go camping and now they're looking at asynchronous modes like jsa call what does that mean FT8 is a handoff, 15 seconds on, 15 second listen, 15 second on, 15 second listen. That's you actively taking contacts from other people that are actively sitting in front of their radio. What happens if your your mode of operation just sits? Like it just sits there listening and somebody relaying through another station sends you a message saying, hey, what's your status? It's Saturday morning. How are you doing? Everything good? You have the supplies you need. You wake up in the morning, you go to your laptop, and you get that message. Mm-hmm. Asynchronous. It could be hours later. Who, who knows? I'm not saying that's new, but I'm saying we've, con- we've, we've made it a convenience in the space of amateur radio right now, which is a paradigm shift again from what we've had in the past, which I think is fantastically awesome. Full SDR radios. Leah had a question today about what is your primary frequency, what is your carrier frequency, what are mixing products, all that stuff. All of that becomes a way of the past. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's bad or a a bad receiver technology. But what's happening is is people are starting to transition to SDRs. Leah, remember the term SDR? Software defined radio. That's right. SDRs are going to further revolutionize. They already have. I mean, if you look at the KX2, the KX3 were kind of the early adopters of totally proliferized SDR radios. The dongles that people are running on their their laptops, their computers, their tablets, their receivers, I appreciate that, but you have like the Hack RF that allows a bit of transmit power more for scientific experimentation purposes than actual useful radio, but I get the point. But everything's moving towards this gradual progression towards SDR. And they're finding their ways differently. Yesu is obviously going SDR, but then they have a hybrid approach where they're still using discrete features like roofing filters and all that other fun stuff, which does have a, a value point. But again, we're getting to the point where we will be almost completely full-on direct conversion with very little RF chain before going straight to digital into something. That could be your your computer. That could be a device that is your box, your radio box, 
where you get all these really interesting added features and functions. And it, it may not be that expensive. I see, a, I see a world, I see a future where HF radios start to dip down. Again, I don't know if this is truly possible because <laughs> the market for this, it becomes a market question. This becomes an economics question. But the technology will come to a point where we're using very tiny devices to connect to a computing device of some kind mm-hmm. or we have a computing a radio that we would we would effectively call a radio that starts to look more like a phone or starts to look more like a tablet but is an HF radio and the computing processing is what's bridging the gap into giving you that waterfall display and giving you that audio that you hear out of it, which is which is really cool. A couple of other things that have changed. Battery technology. We, hmm. we, we've lived through a really interesting battery transition. You know, we, it wasn't too long where everybody was using sled batteries, sealed lead acid batteries. That was kind of like the ham radio battery. Here you go. Enjoy your sled. Get that trickle charger on the uh, throughout <laughs> the week and then take this take this 50-pound brick into the field and, and enjoy your enjoy your time. And and radios seem to kind of reflect that world. The 817, the FT817, the FT818. Strong throwbacks to this time where it's like, "Oh no, yeah, I've got my battery and that's uh I have a backpack that's for the battery and then I have another backpack for all my other gear." I'm kidding. But it's changed now with lithium iron phosphate where batteries are extremely light. We've gotten to the point where we get really highly efficient batteries that are extremely lightweight. And if you're coupling that with your portable activations, you've got a three amp hour battery and you're running QRP, that's your whole day right there. Right there. Like you can you can you can charge up, throw this super lightweight battery, half a pound maybe, in your pack with your radio, get out there. That was unheard of, right? five years ago uh 10 years ago for sure but but just super super cool that that portable radio has become just a thing we do why well it's not like portable radio was like any less cool 20 years ago it's that the technology has improved to allow it to be so much easier for us so much easier to get out there and have fun with radio it's not just the radios. It's everything that's come along, the batteries and solar technology. Hmm. We have roll-up solar panels. We have fold-up solar panels that weigh very little, but efficiency-wise can keep our batteries charged and make things just a breeze for getting out there and having a lot of fun. So there's been multiple paradigm shifts, shifts and I'm not, I'm not arguing that it was like one thing that happened. It's like, oh my gosh, it's all changed at this point. No, ham radio is a hobby that is based on adapting to the many changes that can happen at all times. It is literally built upon that. That is the, the soul of the hobby and the service is to adapt to what's coming. And by it, adapt doesn't mean to keep doing things the way you've been doing it and mm-hmm. just bring this into the fold. It means right. to to become part of this change, whatever that is. 
battery changes, putting servers on radios, digital technology. It takes nothing away from the past of, of ham radio. And I think everybody that, that enjoys single sideband and Morse code, I like all those modes. It doesn't take anything away from me. But isn't it amazing that we have all these super, super cool technologies at play right now that make ham radio easier and more rewarding almost immediately, right out of the box for a lot of people, than it's ever been before? It's Don't... It, uh, isn't there a ton of pushback on this, though? Yeah, sure. A ton of people are upset. I mean, <laughs> people don't like FT8. I mean, that, that, that's been the doom of ham radio. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kill ham radio. But before... It, How does it kill ham radio, though? A lot of the arguments are it decreases the knowledge set that your, your base operator is going to be this FT8 head that just makes contacts on FT8. They, they don't know how to do single sideband. They won't know how to do Morse code. They won't know how to do et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are there some people that may fit that bill? Sure. Um, but why, why would you be upset having more options, right? Mm-hmm. It's that old, um, remember, you know, your business school classes where you're like, well, the customer likes options, no, the customer doesn't like options. <laughs> Did you know that? The, oh, you know that, Leah. Yes. But everybody listening. In fact, listening, they have done a study. They hate options. Yes. But I think hams should love options. But go ahead, tell the story. Well, every everybody thinks that people don't want options, but studies show that if they if a business restricts the number of options a customer has, they actually have a more pleasant buying experience they're more satisfied buyers yes it's not necessarily that they buy more or less they they probably tend trend towards they buy more but they don't feel chaotic there's not this assault of options i i think there's also less chance that you're buying the wrong thing for yourself do you, do you know what I mean? I think people people worry too much about the oh, possibilities. Completely. It it nags at them that it's they not, picked it's this one thing. It's not what they bought. Thing. It's what they left on the shelf yes. that bothers them. Yes. This is literally the topic of my live stream tomorrow, by the way. Really? Or today, because it is well past uh, tomorrow <laughs> at this point. My, my topic is um, ham radio on a tight budget. But... What I'm doing is I'm parlaying it against a baseline of ham radio that I think is a baseline really good buy Mm. at a particular option, saying, this is what I would recommend, but if you had to go cheap, this is what I would do. Cool. So this, this goes into the whole, like, I bought this thing, but then there's all these other options out there that make me feel bad about the thing I bought. Right? Right. That's kind of what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Ham radio is full of that, right? It's it's based completely on there being so many options that are all good, but different in specific ways. And if you don't actually go in front of that radio, try that radio out, experience that radio, it's, oh, excuse me, it's kind of hard to fault yourself for not buying that radio 
Does that make I don't sense? think that you understand that because you just I go just back buy all the radios. and buy That's the, next the best radio. solution. If you just buy all the radios, <laughs> you'll never feel That's tone deaf. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. There's a ton of radios I don't have. I've never owned an 817. I've never owned an FT817. Hmm. And probably will in the future. Actually, I don't even know that I will. I don't even know that I will. I feel like the the world's moved on a little bit from that radio. I feel like there's so many better options out there than that radio. Don't you think it might be I a little it. bit problematic that the world moves on so quickly now? It's not, though, because we, we already talked about ham radios You know that, that come out in the market. They don't have a year timeline. They have a five-year timeline. You know, they, they have to recoup the R&D well, that's and what the I'm development costs. If things are moving so quickly then the timeline in which a, a a product now has to recoup its cost is shorter. Yeah, but the 817, 818, for instance, is well over a 10-year-old radio at this point. But I'm saying new radios. Okay. Sure. All right. But... I mean, again, what are we what are we arguing against and for? Are we arguing? Oh, I think it just leads to higher prices. That's all. Well, but we're already going to have higher prices because we're a boutique market. But higher is what I'm getting at. Oh, you think higher? Well, but then core at 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 its very core, the ham is cheap. <laughs> hams are cheap. Like hams are. And, and we're cheap in really funny ways. You know, there's that meme that I have on the on the meme roll in the beginning of the live stream where it's like, a ham will spend $4,000 on a transceiver, but then spend $5 on his antenna. <laughs> you know, it, it's, a it, you know, the, the homebrew and antenna. It's, but also I think that's changing. I think that's changing to a degree. I feel like antennas have come a long way too. I don't think that the the science behind that doesn't change. The science behind antennas doesn't really change, but the way that we're bringing them to bear and and the and the capabilities that we're getting out of them is also getting a lot better. A lot better is probably um, subjective. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm really ecstatic that. We got this big surge and boom in radio technology in the low sun cycle, and we're going to come out of it. And everybody, and I always, I always, I have to mention this. Everybody who is like getting started in ham radio right now, they just really got access to HF, and they're they're out there, they're having fun. I I just can't wait for you guys to see the next couple of years. It's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. And and you're gonna you're gonna really love it. And I'm just I'm just happy to be along for the ride to see the excitement out of the crazy contacts people are gonna make. <laughs> it, it's so exciting to me that, that that we could get so many people into amateur radio. And it's 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 just gonna be it's just gonna be super cool. So yeah, the paradigm shifts are good. And again, they they don't take away from what already exists. And there's a wealth of knowledge of what already exists. There's so many well-written books and web pages and forum posts and YouTube videos that, that cover the myriad of topics of kind of 
I don't want to say the way ham radio was because it's not that it's just different or not necessarily related to some of the shifts that we've had recently. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away from any of that. It's still all value added because you could still have that radio. You could still have those antennas. You could still be operating in those modes, but there's a lot of new stuff out there that you should at least look at, try it out, see if you enjoy it. And then maybe it just becomes a new part of your ham radio repertoire. All righty. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a lot of fun making it, and the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. Leah, do you have any parting words for us today? 73. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm take it at that. 73. 